what's up? It's me, Crystal. Welcome to Show Me the Batcave. You sound defeated. I've just been so beaten down by the world. Hey, you sound like you have been uh, perpetuating a crusade against the night for decades, and it has left you hollow on the inside. Well, that's how it starts, isn't it? The fever, the rage, the feeling uh -huh. of powerlessness. Perhaps even if uh, the man of tomorrow were to arrive, it would not inspire you, but rather merely deepen your cynicism. I would uh, brand people with my sigil. <sighs> you would do that. I'm ba I guess I'm Batman in this scenario, so you're Superman? I guess I'm Superman, which means that I do a lot of good, but I mostly just don't really know what's going on at all. You're really sad when people yell at you on TV. I don't like it when people yell at me. I'm trying very hard and they keep yelling at me. And it's like, you're already feeling bad, you're already having a hard time, and now they're demanding that they yell at you face to face. Also, Crystal, you're never gonna get this. There's other countries, and some <laughs> of them are worse off than America. Yeah. That really blew my fucking mind when I learned about that, despite <laughs> all the time I spent as a youth walking the earth. Yeah, he he is very um, naive for how apparently worldly he's supposed to be. I am, it, it doesn't quite work, but I'm almost tempted to pull a Book of Aurora and say this is not a sequel to Man of Steel, it's a sequel to First Superman. <laughs> What? Just because I feel like Man of Steel is such a worse movie that, like, just doesn't feel as good to me. It doesn't have any plot problems. So that's why I can't quite commit to it. I don't know. I, I like this movie more when I don't think about how the thing that they're always talking about is Man of Steel a bad movie. <laughs> so you like this a lot more than Man of Steel? I like this a lot more than Man of Steel, yes. I still don't love it. I still have problems with it, but I would say it is definitely getting like a most improved award at the end of the year. You know what I mean? You are not Snyder pilled, but you you'll eat your vegetables. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I would say also like this is still not the kind of movie I want a Superman movie to be or a Batman movie for that matter. But it's like I can accept that it's well done-ish for what it's trying to do, even if it's not really what I'm looking for. That said, that's how I felt about halfway through it. The back half did kind of lose me, and also the more I have, like, sat with it since watching it last night, the more I've been like, I don't know, maybe I'm being too nice. <laughs> really? A big part of it for me is that, like, all the... The Dawn of Justice part of Batman v Superman is just really grating. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of uh, Justice League colon ground zeros in this movie. Yeah, there's constant moments where we got to pump the brakes so that you uh, so that Wonder Woman can watch some YouTube videos of guys who aren't in this movie. <laughs> there are two different sequences of them watching leaked E3 trailers. <laughs> yes. And also the like too many dream sequences that like I get we're trying to characterize Batman, but like. Especially the one where he's fighting, like, Superman Nazis in, like, the post-apocalypse. Like, what? Come on. <laughs> and that's not even a tease for the next movie. That's a tease for Justice League Part 2, which was never made. <laughs> it was never made! <laughs> because people didn't like Justice League that much. I like this movie more on this watch than on my first watch. Okay. Which was, like, a year ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's about the about same quality as Man of Steel, I'd say. Yeah, see, I, I think Man of Steel is a bucket of turds, so I think this one is, hey, pretty decent. <laughs> so what would you say has been improved over Man of Steel? <sighs> what has been improved over Man of Steel? I feel like, honestly, the movie wins a lot of points for me by early on having the street-level view of the Man of Steel fight with Bruce there, and, like, 
dealing with the actual fallout of it instead of just, hey, how many 9-11s can we fit into a single frame of film? Right. Like, let's actually sit with the uh, fucking horror of it and the terror of it. I think that's cool. Um, I'd have to look at them side by side. This movie feels a little less uh, desaturated. I feel like they're they have some colors sometimes. There's at least some bright green, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it is hard to, like, specifically point to. I was less bored watching this, for the most part, uh, compared to Man of Steel, which I found very boring. I would say this movie has more ideas than Man of Steel. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Which makes the three-hour length feel a little more filled out than Man of Steel's two and a half. I do still think this movie's too long. It's definitely too long. Uh, especially, like, there just didn't need to be that long of a doomsday fight at the end. <laughs> The Doomsdays, I, we'll get to that. I'm not opposed to the concept of Doomsday they've got here, but it did not demand the amount of screen time they gave it. What is the concept of Doomsday to you? Well, it's just the idea that, like, Lex Luthor has, like, this fucking weird, uh, you know, vendetta against Superman, this whole, like, uh, you know, he's that weird, like, religious rage he's got about it, and, like, that's how he's trying to take it into his hands and, like, take, you know, the power of God or whatever and, and make it his own. And, like... That's fine, especially because, like, if you want to get to where Superman dies at the end of this movie for whatever reason, like, you don't want Batman to kill him, so I guess Lex needs some way to do it, and that's as good a way as any. It'd be pretty good if Batman killed him, though. Yeah, but they're never gonna let that happen, I feel like. Mm-hmm. He's not, he's not gonna be dead anyway. That's a problem with superhero deaths. You just, yeah, they don't even let you, like, this movie doesn't end without assuring you that Superman won't be dead forever. With, like, the final shot of, like, the soil rising off of the coffin. Luke, tell me how this movie opens. Well, this movie opens on, um... A part of Batman's origin that's really never been explored before. Um, I don't know if you know this, Crystal, but Batman is actually an orphan <laughs> because his parents were killed by a mugger uh, coming out of a movie theater. You know, this is actually the first time we've seen that on this podcast. That That's true. We've only, <laughs> we haven't watched that many Batman movies. We only watched Batman 66. Right, where this was not a part of that movie at all. Right, right. So this is our first introduction to Batman's parents being murdered, a thing which is included in, like, every fucking Batman movie. And I, I guess you have to have it here if the Martha thing is gonna be, like, the linchpin of the emotional arc of the thing. You gotta, mm, I don't know. You'll know? I mean, hey, you know what might have worked even better if instead of going back over once again how uh, Bruce Wayne lost his parents, if you want to make the the mothers like the thing that ties Superman and Batman together, maybe some scenes of young Bruce with his mom, like having a relationship. Yeah, it'd be pretty cool if Martha was a character in the movie and not just a dead woman. Yeah, like... This is a weird, you know, place to go. But, like, the Lego Batman movie is all about Batman's fucking trauma of losing his parents. But for obvious reasons, because it's a kid's movie, they don't need to show you the crime alley scene. They just show him sadly looking at a family portrait. And that, like, we know what happened. We've seen movies before. I think the intent of this opening is they want to parallel the feeling of powerlessness that Bruce has in this moment with sure. the same feeling of powerlessness that he has in Metropolis. I guess I can see that. Um, I think it just really, I think it's fine on its own, other than the weird, like, the slow motion bullet, like, shattering the pearl necklace feels like you're just kind of gilding <laughs> the lily. And beyond that, it feels a, just like, 
I, I can't forget the fact that I've already seen multiple versions of this scene of these scenes in live action, you know, and it feels like retreaded ground. I can forgive the, the the gun breaking the necklace because that's such a Zack Snyder shot. I know he was smiling about that one. It's such a Zack Snyder shot. <laughs> you gotta let the mom murder look as cool as we possibly can. It should be sick as shit when this innocent woman is gunned down. That's right. <laughs> Like the pearls falling in slow motion all over the street. And we go from that to Metropolis. Then we go from that to Metropolis, which honestly, this might be my favorite scene of the movie. It's probably the most well done scene in the movie. Yeah, like, it, again, it's the, it's the Man of Steel climax again, but it just looks better. And I, I, again, I don't have enough, like, film expertise, and I'm not looking at them side by side to be able to point to, oh, this is why it looks better. But I'm looking at this, I'm like, oh, yeah, this looks like a good movie. <laughs> I think part of it, my memory of the Man of Steel one is that, like, everything is just gray during this. Like, everything is just covered in soot and dust, and it's just, like, a very gray scene. This has, like, pops of color in a way that, like, makes it more pleasing to look at. Yeah, it's lit. You can see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And right, like, Bruce is, like, barreling through the streets. There's a Wayne Corp building in Metropolis, I guess, and he's... Like, on the phone with them, trying to get them to evacuate the building. And he's rushing to get there, but just as he does, it gets 9-11. He pulls a guy out from the rubble, but he's lost his legs. Yeah, the guy can't feel his legs anymore. I don't... We can get to it as it comes up. I don't fully understand this character. Uh, Wallace? Wally? I don't totally get his deal in this movie. Why? You mean, why does he hate Bruce Wayne? Yeah, because in this scene, he's like, oh, he's like happy to see him. Like, oh boy. And then later, Bruce is going to find out that they've been paying him like monthly checks and like sympathy and he's been returning them with like graffiti on them basically but then also lex makes it sound like maybe he was doing that yeah i think it's that lex was intercepting it and so that's why he's pissed at bruce wayne because bruce wayne hasn't been taking care of him i found that sort of confusing yeah there's a lot of steps to the conspiracy of this movie that i didn't really feel any suspense over because i know this is a dc comics movie and lex Luthor's behind it all i feel like even if you don't know that they're pretty like you know lex luther's doing something he's being a little bit of a stinker right from the first scene he's in right and a lot of that stuff is what got cut out in the theatrical release yeah i was gonna ask you what's the like big difference between this and the theatrical cut i haven't seen the theatrical cut but everything i've heard is that they cut out a lot of the logical steps of the conspiracy plan i see okay so it's it's A common complaint is that it was kind of tricky to follow, but also Lex is behind it all. That's it. Right, right. And I would say it's a little tricky to follow even in this cut. And when they're devoting so much screen time to dream sequences and setting up sequels that never got made, it's a little frustrating. When that could be spent either like conveying the plot more clearly or on like more interesting character building scenes. I will say one effect that produces is a kind of anxiety waiting for something to happen. Hmm. Like it feels like there's this boiling pot and at some point it needs to boil over, but you're just watching it and it's not boiling over, but you know it has to. I don't know if that's the feeling I had watching it. I think I was more just like, wait, what? Huh? Okay. As opposed to like, oh, geez, what's going to happen? Oh, but we got to get to this. Like it was more just, oh, wait, what? Oh, okay. I guess so. Um, But yeah, Bruce, like, I I like all the casual heroism he's doing here. Like he's running through the rubble and he's like, there's the line of kids getting escorted through it. And he like grabs one that got separated and makes sure she sticks with the class. 
I've been watching a lot of Succession lately. Uh huh. So watching this scene, I just couldn't help but think, what if this happened to the Succession characters? <laughs> <laughs> and it just it, it really struck me how in this scene, both Bruce and like the manager of this building are friendly. They're like good people who's trying to help people out. Yeah. The Succession people would not do that. Right. No. Yeah. Obviously. And yeah, we get the shot of him like looking up while he's holding like this little girl that lost her mom of Superman and Zod like fighting through other buildings and like tearing everything up. And he's just staring up at them and just like, you know, roiling. Specifically, the thing he's staring at as he's holding his girl is after Superman had taken Zod to space and then brought him back to Metropolis. (laughs) You know what? Fair to be angry about that part. (laughs) Yeah, that's why he needs to kill Superman. (laughs) Uh, And then it cuts from there to like almost two years later uh, in the Indian Ocean on the other side of the planet where the other half of the terraforming machine was. They found some kryptonite. Hey, they found some kryptonite. There's some glowing green radical rock inside of that thing. Meanwhile, in Nairobi, Africa, uh-huh. uh, Lois Lane and new hotshot photographer Jimmy Olsen are here to interview some guy. Why is this character Jimmy Olsen? Yeah, there's a real anti-Jimmy Olsen agenda to this film. This feels like they named this guy Jimmy Olsen just so Zack Snyder could do interviews. It was like, well, my Jimmy Olsen's not like anything you've ever seen before. <laughs> It, it seems like uh, and there's an animus towards Jimmy Olsen because even when he first appears, Lois is like, shut up. I don't want to hear you talk. You're annoying. Right. He's trying to make small talk with her. He goes, hey, you know what I like about my normal photography guy? You know what he always tells me? Nothing. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I liked this scene because I liked Lois getting a little like brassier, which doesn't really continue through the movie. It's kind of just this one bit. No. Uh, but yeah, they, she has somehow secured an interview with the, like, leader of this military in this, like, war-torn country. It's, it's in, you know, the deserty war-torn country that always exists somewhere in movies from America. That's right. Uh-huh. Is this a real place? Fuck you, of course not. Uh, But she's trying to interview him, and uh, he is intimating that, like, even though America has declared neutrality in this war, they are clearly funding the other side. Um, Like, they've got fucking drones. Like, come on. And, you know, he's got... uh, This is where, like, the themes of the movie really start coming in, because he's like, ah, people with power don't care about policies or or principles. They just do what they want. And at the same time, turns out Jimmy Olsen is a CIA agent that uh, had a little tracking bug inside his camera. And he very quickly gets killed. Yes, they murder the shit out of him and take Lois hostage. Um, she's trying to say like, hey, I didn't, I just met him five minutes ago. I promise I did not, I was not colluding with him. And they're like, well, sucks to be you, I guess. Well, what he says is, uh, ignorance is not the same as innocence. Yeah, yeah. Another theme of this flick. I suppose so. Um, the military is, like, riding in on horses to kill these guys, but then some of the, like, security dudes this guy had turn on the other ones and start shooting them and just start killing off everybody and then flamethrower the bodies. And Lois is being taken hostage, but then the Superman appears to save her. Right, well, the military is just going to bomb the entire base to just, like, you know, hey, wipe the slate on this one. But that would kill Lois, so Superman disables the drone and then dives down into the basement where Lois is being held captive and knocks out this dude to save her. And alerts the entire planet that Lois is Superman's special girl, so if you want to get to Superman, you should kidnap her. Well, yeah, but Lex already knew that. That's why this is where he's 
he's like doing his thing. I I actually, the way they do Lex Luthor in this movie is the part that I think works the best for me. I love Lex in this movie. He's obviously like a very different take on the character. And I, you know, that's always going to bug people. I have always said like, hey, if you're going to adapt something, fucking adapt it. Do your own spin on it. This is not like capital M, my Lex Luthor, but it's a good take on the character. So. Yes, then they go to a congressional Senate hearing uh, led by Holly Hunter. I don't remember her character's name. Senator Finch. Uh, and there's a woman who is basically saying that Superman showed up out of nowhere and killed everybody in her village. And I was confused at this point because like, wait, what? That didn't happen. And I was really kind of confused for a lot of this movie until it eventually turns out this woman is paid by Lex Luthor to lie on, uh, you know, under oath. Yeah, because we see Superman fly the general off screen and then mm. it cuts to this hearing so i thought was there some off-screen brawl where he avengers age of ultron the village i almost feel like they shouldn't show you any of the action there until much later in the movie so that you don't know what happened because i get what they're going for that she's just lying but it it kind of just confused me and if it was more like we don't know what happened clark has his version of the story and like he's superman so we believe him but other people are saying other things and we as the audience don't know for sure I feel like that would achieve the effect more cleanly. So what is Clark thinking when he sees this on TV? That's a good question. They don't really get into it. He just is sad that people are yelling at him on TV. Yeah, I, because it's just patently false. Like, it's not even like a, a misinterpretation of the facts. She's just saying a different thing than what happened. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I don't know. Senator Finch, she she's... Kind of a kind of a Girl Scout in the same way Clark is traditionally a Boy Scout. She believes in democracy right. and talking things out and due process. Yes, totally, totally. And she is the chair of the Superman committee, which I like. And she's not actually like proposing any restrictions to Superman. He, she just wants him to come talk. I think she is in a position of like, I don't think she really likes Superman that much. Most of what she says in this is like, ah, I don't trust him because he has like unilateral power to act. But also she knows she can't go in too hard on him because they have no meaningful authority over him. So she kind of has to walk on eggshells around the subject. Right. You know what I love about this film? Huh. Gotham has a football team. Gotham does have a football team, just like Dark Knight Rises. Because Gotham is so often defined by Batman and Batman villains. Yeah. It's easy to lose sight of the fact that it also has like normal city culture. Right, right. I like, yeah. Hey, another reinforcement of the theme is that the Metropolis football team is kicking the ever-loving shit out of the Gotham football team. So much so that it's not even really fair that they're being put against each other. The final score is 58 to 0. That's not a good football score. <laughs> That's... That, that's not even that Metropolis is that good. There's some problems on the Gotham management. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 58 to 0. That is a wild football score. And like, yeah, the fucking announcers are like, well, guess there's going to be riots in Gotham all night because you know how they get about their football team. <laughs> you think the Joker goes to these games? Oh, God. Uh, I think the Joker. Hmm. <laughs> Joker's gotta be dead, right? No, the Joker's alive. Right, he's- fuck, I forgot he's Jared Leto. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. He's in rap videos. I am, like, borderline willing to just write off every other <laughs> movie. Like, no, Suicide Squad's not canon to this, come on now. I just have a hard time believing that this Batman wouldn't kill the Joker that killed fucking Robin, you know? Maybe he hasn't had a chance. Yeah, I guess. 
He's just so, like, cruel in this movie in a way that I just... It kind of makes the whole Batman-Joker thing not work when this Batman is this fucking fed up. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's for the best that there's no Joker in this movie. Batman, he's uh, he's gotten a mean streak in him lately, ever since the whole Metropolis incident. Yes. Now he's branding criminals with a little bat-shaped hot metal. What? 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 <laughs> this is a part of this movie that doesn't really, like, what What are we doing? I also don't understand this, because they say that yes. if you're caught in prison with the bat brands, they'll kill you. Right. But why? Yeah, they never establish why. I mean, the, the best I've got is that in this early bit, he's going after human traffickers. And maybe it's the kind of thing where, like, he only brands the real, like, because I've definitely heard that of, like, hey, if you go to a prison for, like, uh, like you know, pedophilia or whatever, you, you know, you'll get killed or something like that. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's certainly things I've heard that probably Zack Snyder has too. So maybe the idea is just like, oh, Batman branded you. You're a real piece of shit. Mm -hmm. It's not just everybody he catches. It's it's the real bad ones. But I don't know. Um, yeah, these cops are, yeah, they find like a bunch of women in a like dungeon in this old rundown building. And the guy that Batman has branded is like handcuffed to a radiator upstairs. The cops find Batman attached to the top corner of the room and he slinks away like a bat. They can't even hit him because he's so fast. Right, they almost shoot each other. <laughs> I feel like... I, I don't know if this... I'm not going to call it like a problem. I question the choice to like invoke like human sex trafficking when that is not at all what this movie's interested in beyond mm -hmm. like this and maybe one or two other scenes. Like that's some heavy subject matter that I don't know the superhero movie needs to dip into if you're not doing anything with it. That's just capital C crime stuff. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It is there's um like this movie wants to portray Batman as he's he's real brutal. He's tougher yeah. than usual. Right. But we've already been conditioned by the media to not have any sympathy for capital C criminals. Right, right. And like if if he's only branding the really bad human traffickers, there's a million cop shows where cops do that and worse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. The the branding thing is one of the parts of this movie that kind of doesn't work for me. It just feels like dark and edgy for being the sake of being dark and edgy, which I think Zack Snyder does do sometimes. <laughs> I think he perhaps has a propensity towards that. He has a propensity towards that in the way that often comes off as comedic. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Uh, at home, Lois is going through the stuff from the, uh, you know, raid she was in and finds a bullet embedded in, like, a journal. And uh, it's a weird bullet. It's a funky bullet. If I was a private military contractor, I would simply yeah. use the normal bullets. I would simply use normal, generic bullets and not my boss's cool super bullets how much better can the super bullets be right <laughs> like you're not fighting tanks here i think one part that also makes the conspiracy a little confusing as a like audience member in real life if there was a military base out in another country that got decimated it's easy to see like oh we wouldn't know all the details of what happened blah 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 but when we watch the bad guys shoot them and then torch them, the immediate thought is like, well, wait a second. Why does anyone think Superman did this? Superman wouldn't use a gun. And again, like, yeah, in real life, you might not have that granularity of detail. But when you show me the bullet being shot, it becomes a question I'm asking, you know? 
if I'm going to do a little work on behalf of this film, I would say that the this is an incident that would usually just pass by. But right. because Superman was there, it's under heavier scrutiny. Right. I agree. But then that be, I think because of that, my brain goes to, well, if it's under heavier, heavier scrutiny, why is nobody getting anything conclusive from these bodies that obviously weren't killed by Superman? Well, rephrase. It's under heavy scrutiny with a bias against Superman because this is an avenue by which they can maybe put a little pressure on Superman. Sure. I think this is just another point in favor of what I was saying. Of like, don't actually show what happens until later in the movie. Like, let let the audience also be in the dark and, like, not really know. And I think you did a good enough job in Man of Steel already making the Superman kind of ambivalent to, like, I mean, if Lois was in danger, maybe he did kill those guys. I don't know. Superman comes off as extremely ambivalent in this movie. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He comes um, home and he is he's like, ambivalent to whether he uh, ruins the floor of his apartment, for instance. I would be so pissed if someone got into a bathtub with me and spilled water all over the floor. Lois has decided the optimal place to inspect this weird super bullet is, of course, naked in the tub, as you do. <laughs> And Clark comes in with a bouquet of flowers, and he's like, oh, hey, how was your day? And she's like, I don't know, Clark, people think you did a murder. He's like, yeah, but I didn't. It'll be okay. Anyway, me, fully clothed with my fucking shoes on, (laughs) is going to climb into the bathtub with you. (laughs) What? He takes off his jacket. He does not take off his shoes. No, he doesn't take off his shoes. He spills water all over the fucking floor. Lois goes, Clark, you're going to flood the apartment. And he like goes, yeah, like that's sexy. It's not sexy. Black mold isn't sexy, Clark. (laughs) And then they start like making out and it's like implied that like they're going to fuck, but he never takes his pants off. No. I appreciate that this movie is willing to actually have people like into each other's bodies in this scene, but this is the most deranged way to depict that. (laughs) What the fuck are you doing? Did I not have a shower? It doesn't seem like it. No, just the... I couldn't live that life. No, no, I need a shower. I'll take a shower stall over a tub any day. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm also... I think, yeah, both of us are really tall, which makes most tubs not comfortable in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, across the bay in Gotham City, Bruce Wayne heads on into... Hey, he shows us his Batcave. He showed us the Batcave. How do you feel about this one? It's not a bad Batcave. I appreciate that they're kind of going for something a little different. It's got kind of like a, it's almost like a mix of like the classic Batcave with the like uh, underground uh, bunker that he has in Dark Knight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, it's got a lot of like like right angles and glass walls overlooking an actual cavern. It, it's an okay Batcave. Yeah, I like this one. I like the yeah. lake house above it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we also meet this movie's version of Alfred, who's pretty much just, you know, Alfred. <laughs> Alfred's main character trait here is that he's really bugging Bruce for grandkids. He really wants some fucking grandkids. I mean, who, who, Damien might be training right now. Who knows? My goodness, Master Wayne. I certainly hope the next generation of Waynes has wine left to inherit. Ah, there won't be a next generation, will there? 
I don't, how do you feel about Jeremy Irons as Alfred? I think he's doing a totally fine job. He's not leaping out to me, but he's not bad. I like his kind of Sir K vibe of he is absolutely loyal. He will yeah. never betray Batman, but he will criticize him all day. Sure. Yeah. I feel like that's how a lot of Alfreds are. Yeah. Well, some are a little more emotionally supportive. This Alfred does not provide emotional support. In fact, he provides emotional assaults. I think that his idea of emotional support is telling Bruce to knock it the fuck off. <laughs> because Bruce GF. needs to knock it the fuck off in most regards. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think this is just them sort of talking about the brand and Bruce is like, oh, there's there's gods in the sky now, Alfred. It's crazy out there. And Alfred's like, yes, but Master Wayne, what if we let that make us cruel? Look at this bat brand. That was a fucked up thing to do, man. I bought you that forge so you could make batarangs, not so you could make irons. <laughs> so superheroes yeah in in the modern superhero film yeah are often metaphors for like america as the most powerful country in the world that is invading a million countries but what if our invasions go bad and we accidentally oopsie whoopsie do a fucky wucky sure that's definitely a thing that has come up in other movies how, how do you feel about that theme in this film <sighs> i feel like they don't hmm hmm it doesn't seem that concerned with Superman as a metaphor for America, unless what we're meant to take then is Bruce Wayne is the metaphor for the foreign countries that don't like America's unilateral application of power, which that's a weird metaphor to use. I think Bruce Wayne is America more so. He's quoting Dick yeah. Cheney in this movie. Wait, does he? Yeah. The the line about if there's a 1% chance that he's our enemy, that's a Dick Cheney quote. I didn't realize that. Wow. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Batman being America makes more sense. It, it seems like it's more got that very heady, like, it's less about America versus the world and more like God versus man. But also, I think Superman's like, wait, what? Since when am I God? What are you talking about? Leave me alone. <laughs> Be nice to me. The three parallels here are like, Lois understands that she, her presence led the CIA to that site and caused, right. basically caused the massacre. Right, right. And she feels kind of guilty about that. Yeah, yeah. She says, like, she can't sleep at night and she's right to not be able to sleep at night. It was a bad thing. And Superman, to a lesser degree, kind of has that also. Superman, like, takes the, the woman that was testifying at the Senate's, like, words to heart of, like, fuck, I need to figure, well, at least he does early on where it's like, ah, I need to figure out how I can be, like, someone that saves the world and not just the people I directly care about. But also, the, like, conspiracy plot kind of eats that subplot at some point. Mm-hmm. I That was something that really I liked early on in this movie, where Superman, both as Clark and as Superman, was struggling with, like, how can I use my power as both a superhero and a journalist more responsibly to help people? That kind of is a victim of the fact that this movie has a lot going on and doesn't really have time to explore that as much as I want it to. And that is where Superman as America also comes in, because nobody can actually do anything to Superman. They can just yell at him. Right, And he, right. he must decide of his own volition to simply be better. Sure, yeah, that's true. Um, this is the point in the movie where we meet Lex Luthor. Alexander Luthor. Yeah. Uh, who talks, he's a daddy's boy. He talks about his dad constantly. Uh, I think the, I almost take the implication that like, you know, maybe not literally, but basically this Lex's dad was Gene Hackman, Lex Luthor. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. 
I think that makes perfect sense. It's just Superman got to Earth a few decades too late in this continuity to meet Gene Hackman. <laughs> uh, and yeah, like, played by Jesse Eisenberg, he's definitely going for more of, like, a modern tech bro kind of billionaire uh, evil genius guy. Which I think, yeah, I think that's an interesting way to go with him. I... Again, like, it's not the, like, traditional Lex Luthor, but it's okay. Adapt- adaptations can make different creative choices. He has recovered the kryptonite, and he knows that the kryptonite can be used. No, he's recovered a little bit of kryptonite, but the big rock is still in custody of the government. I- and I think it's in his custody, but it's, like, stuck in a foreign port because he needs approval to import it. Yes. And that's why he's brought Holly Hunter here to give her the whole spiel about how they need a deterrent against Superman and any other Kryptonians that might be out there. And then, uh, yeah, he's like, uh, Holly Hunter's kind of not buying it, but one of the government guys with her is, and he's like, you know, we could, we could have a pretty lucrative partnership here. What do you want? And what Lex wants is access to Zod's spaceship and corpse. This is when we see Superman really getting sad about being yelled at on TV. He's really sad about getting yelled at. (laughs) I don't like the shot of Lex Luthor shaving Zod's fingerprints off of his hand. (laughs) It's not good to look at to me. No, it's unpleasant. Yeah. But yeah, Clark is making eggs shirtless in the apartment as you do. And he's got the news on and it's the same woman from the the Senate hearing being like, hey, Superman sucks. And he's like, oh man, what if I suck though? I might suck. I love that these are clearly not real eggs in the pan, but prop eggs. (laughs) Because I feel like the shot that you would do, maybe the shot they wanted to do was like, oh, the oil's sputtering out of the pan and hitting Superman's bare chest, but he's Superman, so it's no big deal. Sure, sure, yeah. I feel like if that's what they were going for, it'd be bacon instead of eggs. Yeah. Uh, I also... Let's go back to Lex real quick. The fucking shot of him forcing the government guy to, like, take a jolly, like, eat a Jolly Rancher out of his hand. <laughs> Lex is such a little weirdo. He's a little weirdo, and I I kind of enjoy him. He's a little weirdo, but he has the power and the money, so he can do whatever he wants. Right, exactly, yes. Um, But yeah, then it cuts to the, like, monument to everybody that died in the Man of Steel fight, which is this giant uh, statue of Superman surrounded with, like, a Vietnam War memorial type thing of, like, the names of the lost. Fucking superhero movies love to invoke the Vietnam War memorial. They do love that. Because Endgame had the same thing for everybody that got snapped. Uh, Wally, the guy that lost his legs in the opening scene, is here. He's clearly kind of fallen on hard times. He's he's coded as a homeless guy, even though he's not. Uh, you know, he's in a wheelchair because they had to amputate his legs. And he climbs up the statue to vandalize it while the cops yell at him. Wally's been working out. Yeah, you know. <laughs> This is an impressive climb. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, what's he paying on it? False God? Yes. Yeah. Uh, then meanwhile, the Daily Planet, hey, Lawrence Fishburne actually gets to do something <laughs> sometimes in this movie. He's so fun in this movie. They remembered, hey, wait a second, we hired Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> One of the greatest actors of our generation. Yeah. He is doing basically like, it, he took the Bowery King from John Wick and turned it down like two or three notches. This is pre-Bowery King. Yeah, exactly. Someday, Perry White is going to take over the Bowery. After this newspaper shuts down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, but yeah, Clark feels real bad when he sees the false god graffiti. He's like, oh, 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 man. He's uh, been sent on assignment to Gotham to cover football. Right. Perry really wants him to take over the sports page, and he's ignoring his boss completely to investigate the Batman story. Because he feels so bad about this whole fa- false god business, he's going to project it onto the Batman. See, right. I'm not as bad as that guy. Or at the very least, I'm no worse than that guy. He's also yeah. acting unilaterally to be beat up criminals <laughs> not since metal gear solid 4 have i found a piece of media as in love with the word unilateral as this one this is a kind of metal gear solid type of flick i i was talking to you last night hideo kojima must fucking love this movie yeah <laughs> this is hideo kojima's superman it's got that same blend of like a kind of really stupid and naive view of the world right but also <laughs> wanting to be like a political thriller yeah totally (laughs) um so yeah he's investigating the story he wants to interview the woman that was mean to him on tv a couple times but she's not at home um there's a guy like hanging out in the hallway like oh yeah i don't remember what he tells him but basically gets him onto the batman story like oh you hear about this batman it's crazy there's a new kind of mean in him new kind of mean in him and he scratches his lottery ticket in the shape of the Batman logo. He sure does. He just loves the Batman. Uh-huh. Uh, speaking of whom, Batman is uh, actually in his Bruce Wayne persona at like an underground fight. <laughs> uh, because Batman's thing is he's after uh, the leader of this human trafficking ring who goes by the codename The White Portuguese. And uh, he's, like, got a lead on him at this, uh, you know, yeah, fight event. The one fighter gets, like, hit really bad and knocked into Bruce, who just whispers into his ear, Hey, here's how you beat that guy up real good. And then shoves him back in and he beats him up real good. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, then he, like, talks to the the human trafficker guy at the bar while surreptitiously cloning his phone on his own phone using near-field communication technology. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Clark is back at the Daily Planet. And like, hey guys, do you hear about there's this whole crime wave in Gotham and there's a there's a Batman going after them? I guess he's actually been there for years and no one's heard about him somehow. Like that that was a little odd to me. Like it's you would almost expect Perry to be like, yeah, Batman, we all know. We <laughs> you're from Kansas. I guess you missed the story about the Batman. It's decades old at this point, kid. This is an interesting portrayal of Clark as a Kansas boy who doesn't know anything about the big city. Right. I guess he didn't spend much time in the city while he was wandering. He was sticking to rural areas right yeah like sort of the outskirts of civilization uh but yeah perry's whole thing is like oh oh what a great story crime wave in gotham next up we can say water is still wet shut the fuck up idiot and print the story i told you to print and this is like the from what i remember basically the last gesture towards the, the thing i said i liked in this movie where clark is trying to be like well why aren't we talking more about these stories poor people buy newspapers too like th- this is important to cover like don't we have a moral responsibility and perry's like shut up america's conscious died with uh robert martin and john yeah uh-huh now Clark is presented as sort of the guy with a good heart here, even if he's a little naive. Yeah. But the thing he wants to do is have a local newspaper that reports on crime, which they do love to do. Yeah, that is true. (laughs) It's odd that Perry's fighting him that hard. Yeah. Right. Like, if it was that, you know, Lois is chasing a story that will eventually turn out to, like, expose Lex Luthor, and she's having no pushback about that. (laughs) 
this presents a world in which people would rather read about the football team of a different city than about sensational crimes. Right. I mean, I guess after they got fucking pantsed at that game, maybe it like people want to like out of Schadenfreude read about the Gotham Bats or whatever they're called. They want to hear about how the Gotham Bats are all crying and peeing their pants. Right. Exactly. They just want a a puff piece about how they're pissing and shitting and farting. <laughs> Uh, but Lois walks in with her super bullet, and Perry's like, yep, that's a bullet, all right. I don't care. She's like, okay, but it's a super bullet, Perry. Okay, fine. You can go to Washington to investigate it. But she has to fly coach. Yes, yeah. I love every time Perry's just like a Mr. Krabs newspaper. <laughs> yes, totally. Because that's his actual retort to Clark. He's like, well, don't poor people buy papers? Nobody buys papers, Clark. Just trying to keep the lights on in here. Clark, the only reason we exist is because the Daily Planet's an important part of the Superman mythos. It makes less and less sense for us to be a going concern with each passing year these movies come out. <laughs> Um, and at this point, uh, Lex has invited Holly Hunter to his creepy mansion. And, uh, we, you know, he's still talking about his dad a lot, but, you know, hey, maybe there's something a little off about his relationship with his dead dad. He hasn't touched a single thing. He's kept it all the exact same. Because maybe if that, if he does that, his dad will come back. Oh, that's crazy. Don't you think, Holly Hunter? It's almost like he's projecting his own childhood feelings of powerlessness onto the world as well. Yeah. The thing I like about how Jesse Eisenberg plays Lex Luthor in this movie is that in his heart of hearts, he is a melodramatic supervillain, but that's not a thing in this universe. So everyone's like, what's wrong with you? And even he's like self-conscious enough to realize like, I can't actually talk that way. People will think it sounds dumb. It does sound dumb, but it's how I feel. Like when he gives that speech in a little bit where he's like wanting to do a big villain speech, he's like, I can't, never mind. <laughs> I can see why this Lex really attaches himself to Superman because he really needs an arch nemesis. Right, yeah. He needs a guy to play off of because the senator is not playing off of him. Right, the senator has no fucking patience for him. He's like, she's just like, you're a dipshit little kid and I'm not letting you fucking bully me around, asshole. Now leave me alone. Because uh, he's like, you know, he's trying to pull, yeah, the, the Lex Luthor shtick with her where he's like, oh, can can I call you by your first name? You can call me whatever you want. You can call gr a jar of piss grandma's peach tea, but that doesn't make it taste any better. <laughs> Foreshadowing the most controversial element of this film. One of the best scenes in the film. <laughs> uh, now, it does start to lay it on a little thick for me when his response to that is to look over to a painting of angels and demons. He's like, you know, I should change one thing in this room. I think my dad would forgive me if I flip that painting upside down because now we know the demons come from above. Like, okay, all right, take it down a notch. <laughs> He's, he was probably so excited to say that line. <laughs> well, he has a different line, too, that he doesn't get to say. He's like, do you know what the oldest lie in America is, Senator? And she just, like, swats him away, refuses to let him follow through on his bit. <laughs> he needs someone to say his speeches to, and Superman will listen. Superman will listen. He will stand there and listen like a dipshit. <laughs> As we'll see at the end of the movie. Uh, Bruce is having a dream sequence where it's cutting quickly between him looking at a stained glass window of an angel with a Superman cape and going to his parents' grave where blood is seeping from Martha Wayne's, uh, I don't know what you call this, when it's like embedded in a wall. Tomb. Yeah. And uh, he like reaches out to touch the blood and then it bursts open and a bat demon's in there. Ah! Oh man, it's like the memory of his dead parents has become a monster. Yeah. <laughs> 
This dream sequence is short enough that I'm like, all right, I'll give you that one. But again, it's a long movie. And for as long as it is, it feels like you kind of faff about with a lot of it, Zach. I feel like that screen time could have been put to better use. I get it. He's haunted by his parents. I'm aware of who Batman is. I know his shtick. Uh, but yeah, um, he's hanging out with Alfred some more. I think they're just talking about, like, continuing to search for the white Portuguese. This is where we see the old Robin costume that's been vandalized by the Joker. Presumably Jason Todd uh, got beat with a pipe while wearing it. And Alfred brings up that Batman tortured, like, 50 guys and didn't get any leads on the white Portuguese. But Bruce Wayne was able to get it, so maybe he should be Bruce Wayne more. Right. Instead of breaking into Lex Luthor's uh, estate as Batman, he should just go to this party he got invited to as Bruce Wayne. And uh, Clark has also been invited to this party to cover it by an anonymous donor who insisted that he cover it. And there's also this one random woman here that the camera keeps lingering on for some reason. <laughs> Who's this random woman? Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Bruce Wayne's just playing Hitman at this point as he's like wandering around this party to find the secret server room full of evil secrets. It's not that far out of the way. It's also like right next to the kitchen for some reason. You know what? I guess it does make sense. For the servers to be next to the kitchen. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) He puts a weird little bug on it that needs to like take seven minutes to download all of Lex Luthor's important secrets as Lex Luthor is giving the most tortured speech. This is like a benefit he's thrown for the library and he just can't like, he gets about a sentence and a half into a decent speech and then like abandons it and tries a different one. And everyone is just like, oh God, this is miserable. He flubs his own speech. Yeah. No one flubbed that for him. That was on him. Well, no, again, like you can tell that he's most in his element when he starts going super villainy with it. And then he stops himself because like... <sighs> I'm not doing, I'm not a supervillain. I'm a philanthropist. Fuck shit. I'm so bad at this. (laughs) My dad was right. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, this is where Batman, where, where Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent first meet face to face. Now, Clark Kent immediately treats Bruce Wayne with suspicion. Well, it's because he used his super hearing and can hear Alfred talking to him in his ear. He already knows that this is Batman. Okay. Which is why he's gonna be like, Bruce Wayne, how do you feel about the Batman? Isn't he a vigilante who's doing more harm than good? And Bruce is like, well, you know, over here in Gotham, we don't have a Superman of any kind. So we make do with what we can, what we can get. Clark's like, that's dumb. You're dumb. Batman thinks he's above the law. He's trampling on civil liberties. Right, exactly. Not not like Superman. Well, yeah, they both basically have the same complaint about each other, just Bruce is way angrier about it. I feel like Clark is more willing to be like, ah, you think you're doing good. I can appreciate the intent, if not the effect of it. And Bruce is just like, I fucking hate you so much. I hope you die. <laughs> They're both projecting their own stuff onto each other. Right, right. And then Lex pops his head in like, hey, look at us, the three buddies. I was so, I was hoping you two would meet each other because he already knows that they're Superman and Batman, but he won't reveal that yet. Uh, and then Bruce goes to retrieve his bug, but oh God, it's already gone. And that one random woman we were watching with the camera is walking away as if she's the one that took it. Hmm. Hmm. And then Superman's like, well, I need to leave this party because there's people dying all the time forever. So here I go. He saves a woman from a burning building. And as he slowly, dramatically takes her out and lowers her to the ground, everyone is laying hands on him like he is Jesus Christ. And also they're all like Day of the Dead makeup on. Yes. So I guess it's November 1st. 
I guess. Yeah, it is. It says on the invitation. Does it? Okay. I don't know why we needed the Day of the Dead makeup. It just feels weird. Anytime you have a bunch of people of color laying hands on a white guy in a movie, I don't like to see it. Mm-hmm. It's not... And, like, I know this movie is kind of, like, cynical about Superman, but I don't know if it's cynical in a way that makes this feel okay to me. I don't like it. I don't even think it is cynical about Superman. It's something about Superman. It's, it's not, something about. It's not, golly gee whiz, ain't Superman the best. You know what I mean? That's kind of where it ends up at, though. Yeah, it, it is where it ends up, and it feels like a weird turn when it suddenly, at, like... The 75% mark goes that way all of a sudden. Uh, But yeah, all this like montage footage of him doing acts of superheroism is uh, being juxtaposed against news talking heads being like, you know, I just don't know what to make of this Superman. Some people think he's the God. Some people think he's the devil. And some people think he's just a man trying to do the right thing. There's a guy on the news who says, uh, listen, you know, most people believe in some kind of higher power. Every world religion believes in a messianic figure. Okay, now let me stop you there. I don't think that's true. (laughs) No, it's not. I don't believe that's how it works. And also, all of them have very, the ones that do have messianic figures have very specific conceptions of messianic figures that Superman doesn't fit into. Like, I don't think, if if anything, like evangelical Christians in this world would be seeing Superman as the Antichrist, not as Jesus. He's just a farm boy from Kansas. Right. Yeah, I, this montage is weird. The people on, like, the flooded roof, like, the roof of the flooding town, like, that made the S on the roof, and he's descending upon them, much like a god, to save them. I don't know, it's weird vibes. Yeah, the way he's moving, he's kind of, a uh, basking in the moment. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it feels like it's doing too many things with these images in a way that it just sort of contradicts itself and not, in a way that feels messy as opposed to interesting, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, is, is this him just doing his best to do good and everyone's got a take on it is this him kind of embracing the role as like a protector god eh, i don't know it's an image of superman descending from the sky do what you want with it and meanwhile they're still yelling at him on tv and he's still sad about it he's still so so sad about it. he calls his mom about it he's like ma they're yelling at me on tv <laughs> and his mom's like me on tv and his mom's like well fuck him then <laughs> do what you want you're a grown man we cut to uh, Star Labs where Janet Clyburn is showing Lois Lane that this is a special bullet. Yes. Jenna Malone really brings a lot of charisma to this minor role. Yeah, she has about five lines in this movie and she she makes this character pop. Yeah. Um, And like, Lois is like, wait, you're telling me they handed out experimental munitions to use on a battlefield to use live soldiers as guinea pigs? And she just looks at Lois like, see, you're a good reporter because stuff like that still surprises you. <laughs> Like, yeah, dipshit, that's how it works. Uh, this is where they really get into the idea, like, oh, if you've been bat-branded, you'll die in the gen pop. Yeah, we see a guy yelling that they're gonna kill him if they take him into gen pop. Yeah. Uh, they've even transferred him to Metropolis to try to protect him, and it's gonna do no good. Um, and meanwhile, Wally's bail has been posted by Lex Luthor, who invites him over to his creepy rundown mansion and shows him the fancy new wheelchair he's got for him. He's, uh, he's gonna be, uh, like a witness testimony at the Superman hearing. Yeah, yeah, Lex basically bribes him into wanting, like, goading Holly Hunter into doing a, like, 
formal Senate inquiry into what happened in uh, uh, the fake country where Superman allegedly killed a bunch of people. And this guy's going to be there to testify about what happened in Man of Steel. And then the prisoner gets shivved. And now Lois Lane is consulting with the general from the last movie. Whose Commander name... Locke, he's back! Commander Locke, whose character name is definitely uh, Colonel General Swanwick. I think it's Commander Locke from The Matrix. It's it's General Swanwick. I think now his Luke... birth certificate says Commander Locke, and then in parentheses, <laughs> from The Matrix. Luke, uh, last time I told you that there was some sort of secret that General Swanwick was hiding that yes. will be revealed in Zack Snyder's Justice League. Right, I remember any... you telling me that. Do you have any further ideas of what that could be? <sighs> Is he going to turn out to be like a fucking... Is he from Apocalypse or some shit? That's an interesting guess. Okay, I don't know. There's got to be some weird left turn with it for you to be revealing it, like or like teasing it like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh... <laughs> Perry keeps coming to Clark and be like, for God, for fuck's sake, do your goddamn job. I'm begging you. He's just not doing his job. He's like, oh, hey, Clark, I printed out that sports story I told you to write. Check it out. It's just a blank newspaper. How hard could it be to write a little sports puff piece? Take 45 minutes and bang out a fucking story to get Perry off your back. You know who can type super fast? Superman. Superman. Uh, they got Jon Stewart to do a Jon Stewart bit about Superman on the TV. Saying Superman's obviously American, he's wearing the America colors. Yeah, this doesn't feel like a bit that has any real, like, uh, I don't know, focus to it. I don't know what point he's building up to before they cut away. I think he's just telling the audience that Superman is a metaphor for America. Sure, I guess that's true, yeah. And even if he doesn't want to be, too bad he is... We get more with this weird woman from Lex's party who is being shown the real blade of Alexander that cut the Gordian knot. The blade of Alexander, that's like a that's like an ancient Greek thing. That's like an ancient Greek thing. And also, gee, I wonder if the Alexander in this movie is trying to build a blade of his own. <laughs> that's right. They're both named Alexander. Right. <laughs> they call him Alexander Luther a lot. And you know what? He's trying to make a kryptonite blade to cut a Kryptonian knot, if you will. And we get a bunch of Bruce and uh, this strange woman named Diana. Oh, I just can't. What could her deal be? So she couldn't crack the encryption on the thing that she stole from LexCorp. Yeah. So she gives it to Bruce. Right. Bruce says a line about like, you know, you're hot enough that I bet you're used to guys just letting you do what they want. But I've had to deal with... Hello, welcome back, everybody. We had a little bit of a technical oopsie-whoopsie, just like Superman in Africa. <laughs> yeah, uh, my computer apparently ate about half of my file, so... We talked about this entire movie last week, and then we found out that we need to re-talk about the back half of it. Also, we forgot to answer questions anyway, so we would have had to do a pickup recording. Oh, we would have simply had to. Those couldn't have waited. <laughs> What, what uh, do you mean? I'm saying we I'm saying we could have sat on emails until the, the following week. It wouldn't have okay. been the end of the world. Okay. I'm scrubbing through. If I remember right, the last scene we got was talking about Jon Stewart on the TV. No, the last scene we got was um, Bruce talking about how he's not tricked by Diana's wiles because he's met Catwoman before. 
So we have about two hours of film left. Boy, yeah, I was being uh, generous when I said we got <laughs> half of the movie done. I see why you might have thought that, because we recorded for about two hours, and about one hour of that survived, so you'd think we'd be about halfway through, but we weren't. Right. Hey, you know what? That gives me uh, confidence that we can get through this even quicker this time. <laughs> Luke, what's your opinion on the nightmare sequence? Hey, you know what? It's negative, and it has not grown more positive in the week since we talked about it the first time. It's, yeah, this whole nightmare sequence where like post-apocalyptic Batman is fighting super Nazis. It's just, what is this? What is this? This doesn't, this isn't what this movie is. Do you remember when like every couple months IGN.com or whoever would post like, here's a new short film from Neil Blomkamp about what a Halo movie would look like? Yeah, I vaguely remember that those days. <laughs> this is kind of like, what if Zack Snyder just put a short concept film in the middle of a completely different movie? Yeah, and like, uh again this is gonna be all discombobulated now that we're revisiting this conversation i apologize to listeners but like there's stuff i like about this movie there's interesting ideas in it but they're cramped and they're like overcrowded by a bunch of bullshit that doesn't need to be there and given that this fucking 10 minute dream sequence just feels obnoxious well, you have to have this dream sequence in order to illustrate to the audience that Batman is scared about what will happen if Superman takes over the world. I would so much rather that be conveyed through something that is more grounded in what's happening in the movie than what might happen in a dark future. Well, the audience needs to get hyped up for Justice League Part 2. Uh-huh. Well, no, this is from Justice League Part 3, I thought. Oh, no, 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 right. Yes, because this is... This movie is kind of Justice League Zero. Yes, this is Justice League Ground Zeroes. Right, and then they're going to make Justice League, and then this is really a tease about Justice League 2. Yes. <laughs> a movie that never got made. <laughs> so you think this might just be a nightmare that Batman's having about Superman, but actually, what actually is happening is that this is a message being sent back in time from The Flash. I guess so, because right, then he wakes up from this dream as Superman's going to laser eye him and there's a portal open and the Flash is like sticking his head through it and be like, Hey man, hey man, bad shit's going to happen. Oh wait, no, I'm a movie too early. Never mind. Lois Lane is the key. Don't let the woman die or man will be very mad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, D you're right about him. He's so bad. Unless he has a woman to tame his rage inside him. Obviously. I've seen the Hulk. <laughs> that is the plot of Hulk. Clark is continuing to investigate the Batman story. He's got uh, fucking uh, Polaroids of a guy that the Batman caught that are labeled judge, jury, executioner. And then there's a photo of the Bat brand he's got labeled justice question mark. Okay, if I may be fair to Batman, he's not the executioner. He might be the judge and the jury. He's not, He did not execute that man. Well, but Crystal, when you're sent to prison with the Bat brand, that marks you for death from the other prisoners. He is effectively executing them. But if a, if a judge sentenced you to the death penalty, right. he's not the executioner. I suppose that's true, yes. Well, unless, of course, we assume that criminals with a capital C are mindless animals that simply... You know, they can't control their base urges. They're not real men. They're, they're uh, you know, a, a cowardly lot that, you know, just attack violently when they see that bat logo for some reason. Because these are human traffickers, I guess. I guess that's the idea, because, yes, he's going after this human trafficking ring, uh, supposedly run by the white Portuguese, except that's not a man at all. It's a ship. 
Uh, and LexCorp is going to use it to smuggle the kryptonite into America, even though Holly Hunter said no. Batman gave us his little Dick Cheney speech about how uh, if there's even 1% chance that Superman is evil, we have to kill him now. Right. He's talking to Alfred and is like, oh, Lex Luthor's trying to smuggle in a piece of kryptonite, so I'm going to steal it. And Alfred's like, so you can destroy it, right? It's it's just the Anakin Padme meme of like, <laughs> cut back to Batman not talking, Alfred, so you can destroy it, right? <laughs> Bruce's like, no, I have to kill Superman because sure, maybe he's on our side now, but we know that sometimes a guy gets two-faced. What happens when... What happens when Marconi's men put acid on Superman's face, Alfred? I'm not ready for that. <laughs> uh, what if Superman did become the Two-Face? Yeah, uh, that, again, I apologize. I forget which parts are on the recording we have and which parts aren't. But, like, if you had shown me anything of, like, somebody that Batman trusted turning against him in this movie, I would, like, get where he's coming from so much more. Put Harvey in this. Give me a flashback to Batman dealing with Harvey Dent in this movie and I instead of the dream sequence and I'm like it tracks for me better you know I get where like this paranoia and distrust would come from then one thing that Zack Snyder is unquestionably talented at something even his haters admit he's pretty good at yeah. is a montage sequence absolutely yeah that's what we should have had for the Batman should have had a montage showing Batman going from like you know, the Dark Knight to this jaded, violent jackass. And then it just, I don't know. It, and obviously you can say, like, come on. Like, because at the same time, people complain and I complain. Do we really need to see his parents get shot again? It's like, you've seen multiple Two-Face movies. Do you really need that explained again? Don't you get the idea? And, like, I kind of do, yeah, because I don't know what's happened to this Batman exactly. Other than, you know, Jason Todd got jokered. And that's a different thing than what he's worried about with Superman. So, I don't We've know. We've never gotten what? a Jason Todd movie. Has he never been? Yeah, I guess not, huh? We haven't got many Robin movies in general. No, everyone's too scared of Robin being gay. Robin's only been in three movies, and it's been Dick Grayson in every one. It's Dick Grayson in um the Lego one, right? I think so, yeah. I think so, yeah. So it's that one, 66, and then Batman Forever slash and Robin. Yeah, so and there's also uh, Robin from The Dark Knight Rises. Whose first name is Robin. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is it? William Robin Blake, I think, is his full name. Something like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> See, the end of that movie, he becomes the Dark Knight by getting on an elevator, which rises. Therefore, the Dark Knight rises. Yeah. And then it smash cuts to the title, The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> Batman is going to shoot his little sniper rifle tracking device at the truck that's carrying the kryptonite. Yes. But then he chases after it. Yeah, and I, I'm still on this. He could have just <laughs> shot the truck with the tracking device and gone home. I don't see why he had to initiate this risky, violent chase. He already knows where it's going. He's won already just by getting the tracking device on there. Well, the tracking device is just a backup in case he doesn't get it right now. It just seems like you should just let it get tracked and then, you know, get it casually when there's not a, like, fucking uh, entourage of armed guards following it. But what if the place that it's going to is a heavily guarded fortress? I suppose, I suppose. Um, but yes, he has this big car chase shootout. He's killing guys left and right, and Superman's like, nah, uh uh, no, 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 stop it. I don't care for this, Batman. If people are mad at you, they won't be mad at me anymore. Do you bleed? You will. What? <laughs> you just asked me if I could bleed? Uh, yeah, I got blood. Uh huh. 
Does he? I don't know. I'm trying to... Sure. Ah. Uh, I feel like he must get a little scraped up in Man of Steel at some point. I don't remember that. Mmm. That just seems like it must have happened. He had a tough time with some of those fights. I don't remember him bleeding. Now you've got me pulling up Man of Steel in a separate tab just to prove this fucking point. <laughs> Does Superman bleed in Man of Steel? <laughs> this is the crucial information we need. Let's see, I'm scrubbing around trying to see if I can find- Probably the Zod fight, if he gets bloody at all, it's gonna be there, I would think. I don't see a cut on his face as he's screaming. Hmm, okay. Yeah, I, I, I guess- cut, Luke. You know, I guess he doesn't really look like he- He honestly looks pretty much fine. <laughs> In the aftermath of the Zod fight. He doesn't even really look that, uh, like, his hair is still looking good, you know? Yeah, you know, I'm starting to understand why Batman's so pissed off. You, yeah. Like, you destroyed the whole city, and you didn't even get one scrape on you. Right. <laughs> you weren't trying that hard then. Uh, oh, no, you know what? I went back to when he was on the Kryptonian ship. He's got, oh, is that just damage on his shirt? There's, like, a laser scar on his shirt, but I can't tell if it went through his skin. That just looks like a laser scar on his shirt. Mmm. When did that happen? This doesn't matter. <laughs> Nothing has mattered less. There's the erotic cauterization scene that you're so into. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Luke, I don't think he gets injured in the film. He might not get injured in the film. I'll, I'll concede the point. That's why it's so important that he is is injured in this one. Right, right. He does get He does get scratched at the end. I know that they didn't really use visual language to communicate that it's significant that he can't be injured at all, but... Right. Well, I guess they did when they blow up the White House. <laughs> yeah, he does stand in the middle of a, like, towering inferno unharmed. And he does not bleed. Yeah, he, okay, no, I'm looking at him, he gets shot in the arm now. He does kind of grip his arm in pain. Yeah, I, I guess he doesn't bleed, though. He doesn't bleed. No. Batman's right to ask, do you bleed? You will. Anyway, Batman's real grumpy because Superman broke his car. <laughs> Yeah, and they got away with the kryptonite. They got it to Lex. Yeah, but also he had the tracker, so no, they didn't really get away with it. I like that the truck got, like, ripped to shreds during the chase, but the one little scrap of metal that had the tracker on it is still on there, so it's fine. There you go. It justifies the tracker. But, like, by attacking the truck, he threatened to dislodge the tracker. No, because he knows exactly where he put it. Yeah, but the bad guys don't. Superman didn't. He, he has, he's been doing this for 20 years. He knows the best place to put a tracker. He's seen trucks get torn up and he knows what parts survive. <laughs> he was down there in the, we didn't see the week in which he had like brought 100 semi trucks down into the bat cave to test how they'd get ripped apart. So he would know the safest place to shoot the tracker at. You think he'd need to bring in physical trucks for that? Well, that's true. He would he would probably just have a bat computer that did it. I guess I was mostly thinking of the uh, the Nolan Batman scene where he's reconstructing the bullet. <laughs> Such a stupid scene. It rocks. It doesn't <laughs> even lead to anything. No! The best part of that scene is Batman does sci-fi nonsense to get a clue out of it, and the Joker predicted he would do that and put a booby trap there for him. <laughs> <laughs> Superman goes to have a chat with his his dear dear old mom. Right, and his, he's like, "Oh, ma, I just don't know. I, I'm real I'm real worked up about what Superman means in these modern times." And his mom just like, "I don't know. Fuck him." <laughs> we gave a lot of shit to Pa Kent. Uh -huh. He's gone through the ringer. But it turns out Ma Kent's the one we had to worry about. Ma Kent's really out here just being like, "I don't know if you owe anything to your fellow man, Superman." <laughs> no, she says more definitively. 
You don't owe anything to anyone. Right, yes. <laughs> you know, I don't know about that one, Ma. Uh, the woman that was on TV testifying against Superman is, like, going... Um, she's trying to she's go going. home, but there's a scary right. assassin man outside her home. Right, she recognizes the assassin man from the desert talking to the lotto ticket guy out front. And she's like, ah, oh, fuck, I gotta get back on this bus they're gonna kill me so she goes to talk to holly hunter and reveal that she was paid to lie on the stand to make superman look guilty and i really think this should be the first time we actually get to see what happened in the desert because it just doesn't it just feels like confusing and not in a good way when like they don't do it right i feel like yeah if we didn't know what happened in the desert and then this woman reveals the truth okay yeah this makes more sense now Instead of showing it and then showing her say something completely different, it's like, wait, so is she lying or it did, is she talking about something we didn't see? Like, did, was that like what happened before that sequence or after? I don't, what? It's just hard to follow. It's a little confused. Yeah. But the upshot of all this is that as Lois is having conversation with the general. Right. And as uh, the woman who did the testimony gets killed on the subway, we come to realize that Lex Luthor's behind it all. Lex Luthor was the bad guy this whole time. Can you believe it? Uh, because it turns out that the bullets from the desert are the same super metal that only LexCorp can make. I, if it was up to me, I would use a normal bullet. Well, I was going to say, yes, but did he want to like be caught at some point to like lure Superman out or something? I don't remember. I, mean, I guess this does lead to Lois confronting him, which lets him endanger her to get Superman to like come to him, right? I guess that makes sense, because that means he can easily get Lois. Right. So maybe he did plant clues on purpose to like incriminate himself for that reason. That Lexi's a smart cookie. He's a little tricky little... Boy, I can't talk today. He's a tricky little fella. He even directs a Mercy Graves to sit in his seat, knowing that she will be killed, just to take the heat off him. Right. They're at the uh, the congressional hearing. The, uh, what's his name? Wally from, you know, the statue and all that is going to testify. They're hoping Superman shows up to testify. And God damn it, Lex is going to get his cool one-liner off to Holly Hunter that she denied him before. Like, do you know what the oldest lie in America is, Senator? Is the powers good or whatever. <laughs> the power can be innocent. Right. He is like breathlessly getting in and out. He wants to make sure he says this. Yeah, uh-huh. And, uh, like, Bruce is watching the hearing, he's seeing, uh, Wally, uh, in the, like, power wheelchair Lex gave him, and he's like, hey, how come he needed a power wheelchair from LexCorp? Don't we give him, like, huge checks every month? And it turns out they've been being sent back with, like, dark red blood-looking graffiti all over them. Like, your fault, Bruce. You abandoned your family, Bruce. Fuck you, Bruce. Like, what? What? <laughs> Why is- what? I thought we were cool, Wally. I didn't know we weren't cool. Why didn't anyone tell me I, that Wally wasn't cool with me? Well, you know, to be fair, it sounds like he hasn't been having face-to-face uh, -face or phone conversations with Wally. That's true, because I guess the implication, right, is that Lex has somehow intercepted these checks so that Wally never got them to brew resentment. Yeah, to brew resentment. He was yeah. abandoned. Right. Um, but yeah, the hearing starts and Holly Hunter is giving her like introductory speech, but oh, her attention keeps getting, keeps getting pulled over to a little mason jar on her lectern. You can almost see what it says, but it's, it's the label's facing the wrong way. This is where I wish we had smell-o-vision. 
you want to smell Jesse Eisenberg's piss. Well, it's just that it's clear that the thing that must be distracting her is the the smell wafting over mm-hmm. her desk. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like she doesn't really start getting distracted by it until she looks over and sees, wait, that's not a glass of water. It's a jar of some kind. And then we just have a comedic smash cut from Wally sitting in his chair, expressionless, to a big explosion. Right, she turns the jar around to see that it's his grandma's peach tea, then looks over and sees that Lex Luthor's chair is empty, and then cut to Wally, who explodes. Lex put a dang bomb in his chair. He put a bomb in that fucking wheelchair, that little scamp. Lex is just a real, real shithead. (laughs) I don't like him. He's a villain. One thing that they did not ask Henry Cavill to do in this film is act. He doesn't do a lot of acting. No. Because when he when we come back to Superman standing unharmed in the middle of the flames, he doesn't seem to have a lot of emotion on his face about all this. Yeah. He's just kind of like, oh, jeez. He's oh, reacting like he would if he, like, dropped his pudding cup. <laughs> I don't know, he does shed a tear. I guess if he really liked pudding. <laughs> He's a Kansas boy. Kansas boys love pudding. <laughs> I didn't know that about Kansas boys. I've learned something today. I don't know anything about Kansas. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just making things up about Kansas. Oh, you would you would do that? You'd go on this podcast and lie? I'm a liar at heart. Oh my god. Well, you know, Crystal, all storytellers are liars, so you're in good company. What is a movie if not 24 lies per second? <laughs> We've got a weird energy today. (laughs) Superman carries a few people out of the building and then just kind of flies away. (laughs) Then he gets too sad and flies away. I don't know if he gets too sad. It just seems like he's standing there awkwardly and doesn't know what to do. So he's going to leave. It seems like there's a paramedic who's like, hey, move aside, buddy. I got to work. And he like looks around and sees all the rescue workers and all the people like behind the barricade, like staring at him judgmental. And he's like. Oh, I don't think they're staring at him judgmentally. I think that's how he's taking it. Maybe. The paramedics like, uh, uh, thanks for bringing this body over. And then Superman just kind of hovers over him and he says, uh, I'm gonna need a little room to work. Thanks. Yeah. This just Uh, gives me Much like us, Clark's got a weird energy today. (laughs) This just gives me big, like, Desher Zone, just walk out vibes. (laughs) He does decide to just leave. You can just walk out. (laughs) Because if he stays here, the reporters might start asking him really awkward questions that he doesn't know how to answer. Right. Work, too fancy weed store, cops, you're fast enough, uh, terrorist bombing of the nation's capital. You can just walk out. Um, Alfred's chopping firewood. Good for him, I guess. He does all the work around here. He does do all the work around here. Wait, why do they need firewood? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> they all have a fire going. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, later we'll see Bruce stand in front of an empty fireplace. Yeah, this is like, it's not like the shot of him chopping firewood is a long one. But again, when there is so much shit we got to get through and so many fucking YouTube videos that Diana's got to watch later. Why are we wasting precious screen time on Alfred chopping firewood? This movie does not need to be, like, two and a half hours long, Zach. Well, no, it's it's kind of a visual metaphor. Just as this nation has been split between Batman and Superman, <laughs> so too is Alfred splitting this hunk of wood. You're saying Alfred is a metaphor for Lex Luthor. I think Alfred is a metaphor for a, a nation divided. No, no, no. See, I'm saying that Alfred is Lex Luthor using an axe to split apart the wood that would be stronger if it stayed united, but now it's divided against itself. Yeah. <laughs> 
because we do cut from that to Lex seeing that his own uh, axe head, if you will, the kryptonite, has been stolen by Batman. And he's like, yes, all my plants. Superman uh, goes and talks to his, his uh, Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. He goes to talk to his Lois Lane. And he's like, oh boy, Lois, I just don't know. I let a bomb go off and I'm worried that did I fail to see it or was I not looking for it? This is where Mr. Snyder engages in some very serious revisionism of Man of Steel. Because yeah. Superman says that the whole Superman idea was just a dream of a farmer from Kansas. And no, it wasn't. It was the opposite. Pa Kent actively disliked the idea of you being a Superman. He, he wanted you to be a good, so honest strongly. farmer. <laughs> he literally yeah. died for that belief. Right. And now Superman's like, nah, I don't know. I'm I'm letting my dad down. Like, you are, but you already have been. It's fine. <laughs> the closest thing he said that he might take this way is that, uh, you know, Clark, uh, I think you're meant to do great things and you owe it to yourself to figure out what that is. Right, but then in a later scene, Clark's like, I thought I was going to do great things. He's like, well, farming is a great thing. What's wrong with farming? Anyway, I'm going to jump in a tornado now. Bye. Uh, Lex uses the fingerprints that he scraped off of Zod to open up his ship. And the ship's like, you're not Zod. Um, you want to be the new boss? <laughs> and Lex is like, yeah, absolutely. Fuck yeah, dude. Lex is like, I would like to activate the Create the Devil program. And the ship oh, says... Okay. But wait, the Create the Devil program was banned by the Council of Krypton. Uh, he's like, okay, well, do it anyway. And the ship's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> now, to be fair, I would believe that Zod has, you know, he, Zod doesn't care that two human got recalled and you're supposed to turn in your copies of it. He's kept his saved on his ship. Eating the ship predates that law. Right. Or Zod got a hand, got his hands on like some illicit wares that he's loaded onto the ship. Zod downloaded the VPN to... <laughs> Download the Satan program. <laughs> right, because Zod would make a Satan if he wanted to. He just hadn't gotten around to it yet. You think he would have? I don't see why not. If he wanted to, like, kill a planet. Zod was a very, like, do whatever you gotta do to get what you want kind of guy. What is the use case for a doomsday? I would assume it's literally just, like, drop it on a planet that you would like to not be there anymore and wait. But the thing about Doomsday is that he can't be controlled. Right, that's what I'm saying. You just let it run loose on an evil planet, and then, I don't know, maybe it runs out of juice after a while. I don't know. Ah, this seems risky. I don't know. I guess that's why it was banned. I mean, a nuclear explosion can't be controlled either, but you drop those on people that you want to be dead. I guess so. I'm just saying it's it's like a super nuke. Um, Batman's doing some <laughs> some CrossFit. Yes, and the, the computer has finally decrypted the files from LexCorp. Right, well, the computer decrypts the files, he beats a tractor tire with a hammer to get into shape. <laughs> He's done working out. It's time to check r slash gaming leaks and rumors. <laughs> yes, he looks up the leaked E3 trailers. It turns out this Diana character is some kind of Wonder Woman. Lex has designed, like, corporate logos for all the superheroes he's found. <laughs> What was his, was he planning to make a Justice League? I think he was trying to find out about all the superheroes and then pick them off because he regards them as gods and he hates gods. Okay. So this is like his hit list. And he needs to make logos for each of his hits? Well, he gets bored. <laughs> he just doesn't have enough to do? I mean, honestly, tell me that this Lex Luthor wouldn't uh, waste time creating cool logos for his, like, nemeses. I guess so. 
It, 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 you know, he makes a Wonder Woman logo in Photoshop and then he goes and takes a piss in a mason jar. Like, yeah, that's this guy. <laughs> you, you know what? You're right. That makes sense. Uh, but yeah, Bruce doesn't know what to make of all this. He sees that the Wonder Woman has a photo from 1918 and she's in it. Oh, my God. Also, he watches video footage of her going to an ATM. After the terrorist bombing, the world has turned on Superman. Everyone's watching TV, and the TV is being really mean about Superman now. Yeah, they're all like, hey, what if he was complicit in the bombing? I mean, he had to know it was there. So, like, best case scenario, he let it happen. Worst case scenario, he was working with the bomber for some reason. Superman has decided to go to his Fortress of Solitude, which is a mountain somewhere. Yeah, it seems like South America or something. Yeah. And, you know, some... People see him on the road walking that way and they go, there's that path dead ends the mountains. He's come here to die. And he climbs all the way up that big, big mountain and it turns out his dad's up there. Now, here's where Kevin Costner delivers the best performance of the film, in my opinion. It's really good in a way that like the only thing that hurts it is the fact that I hate this motherfucker from the previous movie. But like this guy, I like. <laughs> They've rebooted his character. They've retconned his character. Well, and to be fair, this is not the same character. This is Clark's perception of his dad, not his actual dad. That's true. And, like, the movie does nothing to call attention to that, like, sub subjectivity of it. But this is not actually Pa Kent. That's true. Unless you thought, like I did for a split second, oh my god, he survived that tornado. It just put him <laughs> on top of a mountain. <laughs> And then I thought, wait, no, that's stupid. This is a hallucination or something. <laughs> he, he tells this uh, very charming story about how when he was a boy, the, he was, the flood was going to farm from all the... The farm was going to flood from all <laughs> the, the rain. The flood will farm. <laughs> but, you know, he and his pa... It's my favorite indie game, The Farm and the Flood. <laughs> the Farm and the Flood. He and his, his pa... Worked all night till he was about ready to collapse, building stuff to save the farm. But it turns out they just pushed all the water down to the Lang farm and their horses were drowning while he was eating his big hero cake at home. Right. And he heard their whinnies in his dreams every night until he met Superman's mom. Because now now she's his world. Um, Truly I, a I, woman is the only thing that can quell the nightmares of a man. I mean, yes, yes. <laughs> I do kind of like this in the sense that, like, we don't know for sure that this is even a thing that actually happened to Paul Kent. This could just be Clark making up a story, like, trying to put his own problems in a context that, like, his dad would relate to and, like, bounce his own ideas off of himself that way. I kind of like reading it that way more than this actually being a problem that Paul Kent had, you know? Well, I guess the thing is that Superman has not actually had his Age of Ultron moment. Like, he was falsely blamed for the, the ambush in Africa. Right, nothing has really been his fault directly or like if it was it was more like less age of ultron more beginning of civil war where there were like there was collateral damage for him trying to do something that was good i guess that's what metropolis is but that was him managing the situation that wasn't him like going somewhere to do something and if he had not gone there then it wouldn't have happened now there is the part however where he takes the fight into space and then back down into metropolis okay that's fair yeah superman should probably be killed <laughs> you know the first not the, the first 10 9-11s not superman's fault the second 10 9-11s a little bit his fault yes uh, Batman goes to brood in the burnt-out remains of Wayne Manor. 
And uh, he tells Alfred, you know what the original Waynes got rich doing? Hunting. I'm gonna go hunt. And Alfred's like, what? No, we were like railroad tycoons. What the fuck are you talking about? Alfred tells him that he cannot win this fight against Superman. This is suicide. And Bruce doesn't really deny this. He just goes on to tell that story about the hunters. Sure, yeah. And meanwhile, Ma Kent is uh, like watching the news and seeing them being mean to Superman on TV. And she's like, oh, fuck this. I'm out of here. But then, oh no, she gets kidnapped. So now Lex Luthor's goons have kidnapped Lois Lane and he throws Lois Lane off a building to draw in Superman. Yeah, because like he's talking about like, oh, everyone's going nuts. Like, where could Superman be? They're searching high and low for him. I'm just going to make him come to me by threatening you. (laughs) And like, hey, it works. And uh, yeah, Superman is like going to beat the shit out of him. He's like, ah, 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 I kidnapped more than one woman you love tonight, idiot. Every boy's special girl is his ma. I've been manipulating Batman to hate you for two years, and now he's across the bay with a badass kryptonite spear, and you have to go kill him or I'll kill your mom. Eat shit, idiot. My dad used to hit me, and that's why I'm all messed up. Also, I cut my hand earlier, even though it was really hard and it hurt a lot, but I was really brave. Look at my hands. (laughs) I don't know if it's just because... I assume you did not rewatch this movie in preparation for this pickup session. No. So I don't know if it's just because it's uh, it's a week in the, like, rear view for both of us. I feel like we both have less, like, charity for this movie this time around. This movie is not a bad movie. It's a three-star flick. I would agree with that. It's fine. There, It's got some interesting ideas, but it's overstuffed and doesn't develop them right. Yeah. And it constantly has to, like, pump the brakes to set up connected movie universe shit that goes nowhere and, like, will end up going nowhere because this franchise got all muddled. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen The Flash. Maybe they bring it back. <laughs> Maybe they finally got it together with The Flash. You're right. I shouldn't judge. The movie that looks like a PS3 game. That one fucking clip going around. It, it does the camera swivel behind the back like every action game does. And he's doing like his looping, breathing idol animation. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh boy, we, we really jumped the gun on accusing movies of being video gamey. We had no idea just how video gamey they could get. All right, it's time for the big fight, Luke. We got a whole hour left in this movie. That means this must be a real big knockout, drag out fight, right? You did this bit last time too, and I get the impression you're unhappy that Batman v Superman, the the titular fight does not take that long. You know, the fight in the Rocky film, that feels like a long, long fight. Sure, I guess that's true. Yeah. Even though I don't think by pure minute-age, it's that long. No, I don't think it is either. This fight feels like it's over a bit too fast. I, I guess I can see that. I'm always sort of starting to check out when these movies turn to fight scenes, so I'm not going to complain too much. Batman got to do some cool, like, prep shit to, like, level out Superman with him. I was fine with it. Yeah, Batman's preparations are pretty cool. I like that he's really thought this through. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, you know what, though? Before the fight, this is when Wonder Woman <laughs> looks at all the leaked E3 footage Batman sent her. She doesn't just watch her own trailer, she watches the Flashes and Aquaman and the Cyborgs. Really, Wonder Woman doesn't have a trailer. She just has that ATM camera footage of her taking out a deposit. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, for her, it's just like, oh my god, look, this woman at this ATM is the same as this woman from 1918. How could it be? Um, and I don't know, sometimes people have strong family resemblances. That's really not a smoking bullet like these these other ones are, where, uh, like, people do, where the Flash, like, breaks everything in a convenience store to save a guy. 
I did hear someone complain about that clip of the Flash. We're like, he's at a, yeah, like, gas station, and the guy's being robbed, and he, like, moves super quick, and knocks the guy out, and, like, smashes all the lights and doing it. It's like, that guy was gonna steal, like, a couple hundred bucks. It's gonna cost more to fix everything the Flash just broke. Superheroes are always doing that kind of shit. That is true, that is true. That's kind of just part and parcel. Can you describe to me what happens in the cyborg scene? The cyborg scene, okay. There's a, there's a half man strapped to a wall with a bunch of cybernetic parts. And there's a scientist who's like, hey, hey what's up, YouTube? It's me, your boy. I'm here to make a cyborg. Smash cut. Hey, guys, making a cyborg's real hard. I don't think I can do this. Smash cut. Hey, I found a genie cube. I'm going to ask it to make a cyborg <laughs> for me. Oh, jeez. Oh, boy, this is getting weird. I got to go, guys. <laughs> What the ever-loving fuck? Like, I have read plot synopses of Justice League, so I know what this cube is, but like, no! This is not how anything works! You can't just throw a magic cube into a fucking video within a movie and like, no! But then, but then you'll have the question of what was that cube, and you'll want to see the next movie to figure out what the cube is. No, I'm gonna say fuck this! <laughs> <laughs> fuck you! Tell me one story good before you try to tell me five others badly! It would be so funny if uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League was extremely good. <laughs> if after all this, it, was, it just ended up being like a slam dunk movie. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Superman and Batman fight. Superman the whole time is like, bro, will you calm down for like 0.2 seconds? I just need to talk to you. If I say like two sentences, we can clear this up. And Batman's like, absolutely not. I'm too full of rage. But he does have cool kryptonite gas grenades, and those are neat. He uses the gas grenades to make Superman weak. And I like that even the weakened Superman is just exactly as strong as Batman in his Iron Man suit. Yeah, I think that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like, I think this fight is alright, and I think if it kept going, I might get bored. So I'm fine with it not going longer. Well, I guess if it's over with, like, 40 minutes of movie left, there must be a big denouement where, like, Batman and Superman have a lot of character development. Right, probably all of the, um, character issues that they've had, these arcs, uh, these thematic arcs about, like, what is good in this world, even, like, how does Superman decide who to save, you know, what is the duty of a Superman or a reporter, you know, how can we tie this into the, the Daily Planet plot, uh, there's all this time to really decompress and, like, think through these things. <laughs> But first, we do have to wrap up this fight where Batman has the kryptonite spear and is going to kill Superman. And Superman's like, bro, you got to save Martha. You're letting him kill Martha. Why would you say that name? Well, because it, it, it's, it's a, a providential coincidence. Yeah, we both had moms named Martha. I, I, I'm not like super opposed to this idea. I think it's a fine concept that this would be the thing that kind of like made Batman realize, oh, this is like a person. But everything about it is as clunky as it could possibly be. Like Superman, like that's not how people would talk. He'd be like, my mom is getting killed. Listen, all right, fine, kill me. But my mother's name is Martha Kent. You have to save her. You know, I'm not, that's not great either, but like... You know what I mean? He's just like, you're killing Martha! What? Why would that be how you talk about your mom? He doesn't want to say Kent, because maybe that would give up his last name. I guess. I guess. And also maybe because he knows who Batman is, he looked up Batman's parents. 
Okay, sure, I guess he does know that this is Bruce Wayne, son of Martha Wayne. That's fair, I guess. But then part two, the more egregious part, is that this is not enough to just, like, stay Batman's hand, make him hesitate and reconsider. It's enough to make him go, well, shit, I guess we gotta be best friends forever now. Which, I guess they do have to because they have a doomsday to fight, but that's why you don't have doomsday. I... That'd be fine. They could just have an uneasy alliance. But Batman immediately goes, Superman, the city needs you. I'll save your mom. You go. Like, it just, the, he does a 180 in terms of character at this point, and it doesn't track. After he spent a whole fucking movie being so pissed off at the idea of a man who's super, now he's like, Dad, I guess you're not so bad. You're kind of cool, actually. You want to, hey, you want to have a sleepover when we're done here? Superman was able to break through his him dehumanizing Superman and thinking of him only as an enemy. Right. And now he thinks of him as his best buddy. <laughs> Those are the two ways you can think of someone. Yeah, it just it goes way too far, way too fast. Um, but yeah, so now they're they've teamed up, they've worked out all their differences because their mom's got the same name, and they're it's time for them to stop Lex Luthor. And uh Batman's gonna break into the creepy warehouse where they got Martha tied up and he literally goes like, Don't worry, ma'am, I'm a friend of your son's. Well yeah, what else would you say to her? I, I have guess an uneasy just... alliance with your son. No, but like he's gone from being such a prick and so moody and dour to like now he's quipping like a Marvel character and it just it why? They do start quipping in this fight. Right, like as soon as they've resolved their conflict, now all of a sudden they're just gonna be they're gonna get a little goofy with it. Uh but yes, Superman goes to confront Lex Luthor at Zod's ship, but Lex has been planning something because he's used Zod's illegally downloaded software to make a doomsday out of his own blood. Luke, we've had a week to think about this. Yeah, sure. In in the themes of this film. Right. What does doomsday represent? I think it represents, like, both Lex and Bruce have this idea that Superman is functionally God on Earth. And they're both sort of existentially terrified by this idea. They feel like it, you know, threatens to render humanity obsolete or whatever. And Lex's reaction to this is that our only hope to, like, not be crushed under, like, this new paradigm is if I can make a god of my own from my own blood to, like, you know, raise to that level. And he will kill Superman and he will, you know, be the, like, next step of whatever you know what i mean uh-huh and i don't know if he's really thought things through all the way because doomsday is definitely going to kill him at some point and i don't think he's thought about that part the main and like he never gets to the part where he has to think about that part because this whole sequence is not written very well but i think that's the, the basic concept the main thing that makes doomsday so dangerous is that every time you hit him he just gets stronger yes which is kind of like, uh, you can't solve war with more war. Right, sure. But uh, if you wanted a, a knockout, dragout fight, here you go. I didn't really. You just told me you didn't. Nope. <laughs> yeah, uh, anything nice I have to say about this movie, I've basically said it at this point. We still got 40 minutes to go. Wonder Woman's theme is cool. Yeah, sure. It's an all right song. <laughs> Her costume is pretty well designed. Okay, now I'm done. Uh, it's cool when Superman did learn from the last movie. He takes Doomsday to space and doesn't bring him back. Right, tries to keep him in space, but the dang military shoots them. 
shoots a nuke at him, which turns Superman into a hollow, but then he regains his humanity from the sun, which is the same thing that saved him in the last movie. He, like, literally regenerates. It's weird. He's just like a spooky skeleton man out there, and then he turns back into Henry Cavill. That's what what going outside does. (laughs) That's why they're always saying to touch grass and such. Damn. You said I could look like Henry Cavill if I went outside more? I did not mention you. I did not bring you up. Oh, I see. (laughs) Um, But yeah, Doomsday crashes back down to Earth, and now he just Big Angie. He was already Big Angie. It's no real change. Uh, Batman and Wonder Woman try to fight him off, but, you know, they're helpless against him. Superman joins in. He, they, they just can't do a dang thing about it. Only thing that could maybe hurt him is kryptonite, like that kryptonite spear. But that place is underwater now. So Lois has to get the spear, and then they have to save Lois to get the spear. Why does Lois have to be in a drowning incident to get this spear? Why can't she just have the dignity of just being the one to retrieve the spear? Yeah, I was really baffled by this whole spear interlude. Why can't it be like, hey, the three of them are holding off Doomsday. Lois is helpless there, but you know what she can do is go get the spear. But she fucks that up for no reason. (laughs) She can't get the spear. She almost dies trying to get the spear. Superman has to save her. And then they kind of like get out. They've got the spear and they're watching as like Batman and and Wonder Woman are failing to like really fight back against Doomsday. I lied. One more nice thing I'll say is I do think... As much as Henry Cavill's not doing much acting here, I think this little exchange between him and Lois where he just says, like, I love you, and Lois, like, sees the fight and realizes that he's saying he's about to go die and starts getting upset. You know what? That's really more Amy Adams acting than Henry Cavill that's really selling this. So never mind. (laughs) She's really the star of this, this bit. Point is, Superman gets the Lance of Longinus and he stabs Doomsday. Yes. But he gets stabbed too. Mm-hmm. But then he just, like, pulls himself, you know, tighter and gets impaled more to impale Doomsday more. The dumb, like, cinema sinsy thing I was thinking during this is that he pushes the spear so hard it comes out Doomsday's back. But isn't that bad? Don't you want the kryptonite inside of him? You know what? That's a good point. Why would you want to poke it all the way through? B- blood loss? D- does he bleed? <laughs> does- I don't think he bleeds, actually. <laughs> Do kryptonites have blood? <laughs> Or are they like well, yeah, plants they, no, on the inside? No, he does get scratched by the lance. Uh, Superman does, and he bleeds. So okay, there, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> now does Doomsday have blood? That I can't say. We know he's made of blood. That's true. There's there's at least a little bit of blood in there from Lex. From Lex's very brave action. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Doomsday dies, but Superman dies with him. And Batman's like, man, I was just starting to like that guy finally. He proved that he was not going to take over the world. In fact, he loved the world so much that he would even die for it. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yep. And then they're like, this, you know what? I'm looking at this shot of them all around his body, and there are like pieces of rebar in the shape of crosses around them. <laughs> catch that before <laughs> that's subtle filmmaking <laughs> those They're are the, up on the two thie- hill yeah it's the two thieves uh-huh batman and wonder woman <laughs> <laughs> we cut back to the ship where soldiers are confronting lex 
Lex is just broing out with a different guy that we haven't seen up to this point. Steppenwolf, we don't know his name yet, but the creature that will be known as Steppenwolf in the next movie. Just a weird looking alien asshole with a bunch of orbs and cubes floating around him. And then he flies away, like poofs away. And Lex is like, oh, hey, guys. Well, now you can theorize if this these cubes are related to the cyborg cube. Uh huh. That that was uh, every part where this turns into. By the way, this is a cinematic universe. Is the worst part of the movie. That might be the worst of the worst, though. Yeah. Like, come on. There there are ways that you can foreshadow future villains that aren't this. Lex goes to super jail and he gets his head shaved because now he's Lex Luthor. Do you get it? Uh, Superman and Clark Kent are both dead. We get, like, it cuts to the Daily Planet and, like, a framed photo of, like, the front page of when they covered Kennedy dying is in the frame. <laughs> this is this is just as much of a wound to the country as that. As Yeah, it's exactly the same as when John Fitzgerald Kennedy was killed. Can you imagine what it would have been like to really hate John Fitzgerald Kennedy and then see that on live television? Oh, you're having a ball. <laughs> God, was that on live television? Wasn't it? Uh, no, no, no. I think, I, I, no, I, I think his assassination was not live, but uh, Jack Ruby killing Lee Harvey Oswald was on live TV. Oh, well, there we go. Because yeah. they were just covering like, oh, Lee Harvey Oswald's coming out of the court. Whoa, hey now. Damn. Uh, but yeah, everyone's very sad. It's like when Kennedy died. <laughs> Do you remember when you were you were when justice dawned? Um, I think I was on my couch like last year. <laughs> um, Lois gets like the wedding ring that Clark was going to give her, but didn't get the chance to. They're having like a big fancy military funeral out in Washington while the real funeral's happening in Kansas. Lois and Ma Kent acting against each other is the only thing in this movie that sells the grief of Superman's death to me. Yeah, I think that's true. They're giving Superman a military funeral because they don't know how to honor him except as a soldier. Yeah. Yeah. And Batman's like, hey, Wonder Woman, do you want to have like some kind of Justice League? There's other threats coming and we need some kind of Justice League to defend the Earth. Wonder Woman's like, yeah, okay. I, I gave up on humanity, as will be told in the upcoming film Wonder Woman next summer. But right. now it, my faith has been restored. God, you want to know something wild about this movie? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you know, uh, Superman's mom, you know, they adopted Kent at sort of an older age. She's generally portrayed as like an old woman. Uh, and then like, you know, Lois Lane, that's his like colleague at the Daily Planet. You know, they're sort of <laughs> I, yeah, not young, young, but they're like 30s. I know where you're going with this. <laughs> Diane Lane is ex- is 10 years older than Amy Adams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who is eight years older than Henry Cavill. <laughs> There's not many movies where the love interest is older than the male hero. That is true. It's just funny to me that they're like, oh, your, your ma, who is like a little older than your girlfriend. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah, then uh, we see Lois puts a little bit of soil, the, the first handful of soil on Superman's grave, but then the soil starts to magically rise and then cut to credits. No, there's a pre-credit scene. Oh, you're right. I skipped a scene. Yeah, Zack Snyder the doesn't most do post-credit scene. scenes. He just puts post-credit type scenes in the middle of the movie. Right. He just has Wonder Woman watch the post-credit scenes on her laptop during the climax. Because honestly, if the whole nightmare sequence was a post-credit scene, that would be pretty sick. Sure. 
It's just that it's in the middle of a movie. Right, uh uh-huh. I don't think there's any way you salvage the Flash and be like, am I too early? (laughs) I think that's just gotta go. Yeah. Uh, But yes, Batman breaks into super jail to confront Lex. And Lex is like, I'm I'm not even sane enough to stand trial. And Batman's literal dialogue is, yes, we have many facilities in this country that treat the mentally ill with empathy and respect, but that's not where you're going. <laughs> I'm going to send you to the jail where we send all the other supervillains so you can make friends with them. I'm sending you to Arkham Asylum, the asylum in my town where we just abuse the mentally ill, I guess. <laughs> you think I could do something about that as a rich guy, but fuck them. Uh, but he does not brand Lex Luthor. He just punches the wall with the bat brand. Yes, he's he's enough of a good guy now that he does not brand human beings. Sure. But Lex gives him a warning that the bell has been rung and the devil is coming. Ding, 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 ding. And he has, in fact, flipped that painting upside down in his house. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's this movie. How do you feel about this flick? Like I said, I think I feel worse about it than I did last week. I do still think it is a big improvement over Man of Steel. I think parts of it, I can see a good movie in here. It is just choked by a bunch of bullshit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I was I was surprised that this movie was better than I thought it would be, but I still don't think it's great. The thing I liked about Man of Steel is primarily Henry Cavill's performance. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, this is a big step down. Us, yeah. Give me some examples of scenes in Man of Steel where he's like giving a really good performance. Uh, when his papa dies in the tornado. And the argument he was having before uh, when he's confronting that one guy in the bar and he gets really pissed off, but then he holds back. Yeah, okay, I do like that part. The, the paw part, I feel like I can't even evaluate his acting because I find that whole scene so fucking dumb that, like, it's it's fruit of a poisonous tree to me. He's, he's so convincingly portrayed a teenager that I didn't even realize it was him. You know what? Yes, that I will go with you on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, when he's in the skulls. <laughs> he's drowning in the skulls. <laughs> Uh huh. <laughs> when he gets really mad that Zod would attack his mother. Uh huh. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think Henry Cavill's doing a bad job in this movie. I do think it's more the movie's not asking him to do very much. Yeah. Um. Other than look sad. Because I can read into his character that he's like projecting his own insecurities onto Batman, which is why he's chasing this. Why he's right. not doing his job and right. trying to do a smear story about the Batman. Why he won't just shit out a quick sports story to get Perry off his back. But I don't feel that from his performance. When he's watching TV and shaking his head, I don't feel like he's, like, guilty about his actions or maybe even frustrated or angry about how people are treating him. I feel like... Yeah, I don't think he's frustrated or angry. I I think he... The the feeling I took away was more like he thinks they have a good point, but he doesn't know what to do about it. Oh, jeez. Oh, gosh. Oh, I guess we also skipped the part where the reason he didn't see the bomb was because Lex put the bomb in lead. Yeah, he put the bomb in lead so he couldn't see it. Lex Luthor was behind it all along. I guess I'll give this movie a C+. I, that's about where I'm feeling. Yeah, C+. Okay, that's down from last week where you gave it a B-. I remember I was on the fence between C+, and B-, and the fact that it's curdled a little bit in the past week, that makes sense that I came on the other side. And how would you rate the Batcave in this film? It's a decent Batcave. I appreciate that they have a slightly different angle on it than usual. It's not my favorite ever, but, you know, it's okay. The crossfit with the tire and the rope is pretty stupid, but I don't know if I can put that on the Batcave itself. I, I'd i say it's like a solid, I'll say B-. 
I'm gonna give it a straight middle of the road C. Yeah, it's uh, n- doesn't blow my socks off. Nothing bad about it. Yeah, we have some questions. Oh, do we now? Number one, what's that cube? Number two, who was that guy in the pool? Number three, was that some sort of Aquaman? <laughs> the Moon Rules asks, what are your thoughts on the Broad Art Museum? Um, I'm not sure I have any particular thoughts about the Broad Art Museum. That's where they found the Sword of Alexander, I think. Oh, I see. They should probably find out that that's not the real Sword of Alexander. I'm looking at it, the exterior of the building. That's kind of cool. It's kind of neat. Yeah, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, that's a cool exterior. Sure. If if they had the Sword of Alexander in a museum, I'd probably check it out. That'd be a neat thing to see. Cameron asks, do you feel like Clark has a human reaction to having killed so many people in the previous film? What does his guilt look like in this film? Does he carry it at all? No. No. He kind of got rid of it by the end of Man of Steel. (laughs) Yeah, he kind of did. He's pretty much over it in those last couple scenes. He got over it pretty quick. It kind of seems like everyone's over it at the end of Man of Steel, and then this movie comes out and Batman's like, not me. Yeah, Metropolis covered pretty quick. Uh-huh, yeah, when you compare it to how 9-11 went in the real world and how this was, you know, 700 mega 9-11s. Their football team beat Gotham's 58-0. to 58-0. Ina asks, what if it was Prawn of Justice? Anyway, what are the three superheroes' preferred foods to grill at a cookout? Okay, what if it was Prawn of Justice? Are we then imagining that the Batman v Superman... Is that fireworks in the background of your audio? Is that what's happening? Yes. (laughs) Okay, I was like, do you have, like, fucking Mr. X trying to bang down your door over there? What's going on? No, it's fireworks because it's July 2nd. It's July 2nd! Come on! Yeah, what's the weekend? I guess it is the weekend. Anyway, I, I'm imagining that if it was Batman v Superman Prawn of Justice, then this is just a cookout. Like, they're having a cooking competition. Yeah. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Well, I think Superman, of course, classic American hamburger. Yes. Yeah, and honestly, I think he might overcook it a little. He's He definitely probably overcooks it a little. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Even though he could eat raw meat and he'd be fine. Right, but, like, he's gonna eat them the way he grew up eating them, and, like, they just, yeah, hey, well done. That's how you make a, you know, burger, that's how you make a steak. <laughs> you, you think he's into hot dogs? Mm, is this Clark into hot dogs? Yeah, I can see him going for a hot dog. What does he put on his dog? Um. Ketchup. Yeah, yeah, I gotta remember, yeah, yes, totally. He's not, like, gonna be fancying it up. He's a Kansas boy. He just wants ketchup, maybe some mustard. Maybe some mustard, if he's feeling, if he's worked really hard that day. (laughs) If he wants to be a little adventurous. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what about Diana? I think we're talking Euros. Oh, sure, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's definitely the best cook of the three. That, hmm, I don't know. Maybe. Like, I, I I think if you're, if you give them all the same hunk of raw meat, yeah, I think she's cooking it the best. But, you know, she's from, like, ancient times when maybe they didn't have as wide a variety of spices and whatnot that she might not have a, a full, like, grasp of. I think on Themyscira, they're probably used to, like, hunting animals and, like, skewering them themselves and making it all from scratch. No, that's what I'm saying. I think if you're just, who can, like, cook it to the best level of, like, doneness? If you give them all, like, 
Here's a hunk of meat and a pinch of salt. Yes, Diana's is coming out the best. If you're giving them a wider kitchen, I'm a little less convinced that she's got, like, the breadth of skill. You know what I mean? She's been living as a, a wealthy woman for a hundred years. Yeah, she's been living as a wealthy woman for a hundred years. She's had people cooking for her, maybe. Well, that's true. That's a good point. Uh-huh. I have put... We've had this argument before about whether Batman's a good cook. And I understand on one hand, he's a fucking billionaire that spends all his time Batmanning. When would he even cook and why would he bother? Alfred clearly cooks all his meals. My counter to that is that as a young man, he traveled the world becoming the best at every possible skill. I think he has a lot of cooking ability in case he has to go undercover as matches Malone at a restaurant. I think, I don't know if Batman eats food. I think he's kind of a soylent guy. I think that makes sense, but I think he, I, I think because of that, everyone assumes he can't cook, and then he can pull out something crazy, you know? Okay. What does Ra's al Ghul eat? What does Ra's al Ghul eat? I mean, I'll admit I'm not a big, you know, comics person, so the main Ra's al Ghul I know is Batman Begins Ra's al Ghul, and I feel like that guy mainly ate porridge. Yeah, that's definitely a porridge guy. Yeah, that, that whole, like, ninja academy, mostly porridge, I feel like. I feel like cooking mangas are the apex of storytelling. Yeah, why is that? I, I I feel like you can characterize characters very well by how they cook and how they eat. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. Yeah. What, how do you take Superman cooking that fried egg shirtless in this movie? That's right, he did that. What does that characterize about him if that's so fucking good at characterizing people, Crystal? Here's the thing. It was a prop egg, but it didn't have anything on it. That was a plain ass egg. There was barely even any oil in the pan. That's true. Okay, so you're saying what it mainly shows is that he is you know, not a good cook. <laughs> no, I mean, maybe he's like a super taster. So even from the blandest food, he can get a lot of flavor. Don't super tasters usually have a problem with eating anything other than the blandest food because it's like too intense and it's unpleasant? Yeah, there you go. And he's probably a super taster. Okay, he's a super taster. Which means his food will probably not be very good to the average human. Right, right, right. He, ooh, he puts a single grain of salt on his egg. And that, you know, that's honestly a little salty for him. <laughs> and actually, he's not a super taster or any kind of Superman tasting powers at all. He's just from Kansas. And that's how he covers it up. I really think if you're going to film a scene with Superman shirtless, you got to have him deep frying some French fries and getting the hot oil all over his chest. Yeah, no, I think we talked about that before. He should be cooking bacon and like pops of oil should be hitting him and like it would be burning him, but he's Superman, so he's just no-selling it. He's Just like he flooded his bathroom, he's going to burn the kitchen down. Why did he do that? <laughs> He'll just laser the mold. Don't worry. Uh, hey, why did he laser his eggs? <laughs> I can see that being hard to get like a good even cook with laser eyes. Okay, that's true. I did always like that little bit in the the Justice League cartoon where he shaves by using his laser eyes on his bathroom mirror so it bounces off and hits his face. That's so cool. It's so good. Mike asks, how would Jars of Piss be best implemented into other superhero films? Please provide specific examples. Okay, how would you put a jar of piss into a superhero film? Let's think here. I feel like uh, maybe Hawkeye, one of his trick arrows, has a little miniature jar of piss attached, and it's like wolf piss, so it attracts wolves. 
Oh, that's a good trick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my first thought was the first Captain America, you know, they can't get a, like, sample of the super serum. You know how they kill the doctor to try to steal it. But they can't, they take a urine sample of Steve Rogers and Hydra tries to steal that to reverse engineer the serum from his piss. <laughs> it's like, it's like a Nazi comes to the Red Skull, says like, sir, we've acquired it. And he opens up a box and some piss. <laughs> And the red, they, they don't explain what it is. So I was like, yes. And he just drinks it and then spits it out. What is this? <laughs> Cameron asks, did y'all point and clap when Batman killed that flamethrower dude like a pyro in Mass Effect 2? <laughs> oh, right. He just kind of like popped the, uh, the gas canister and then blow him up that way. It was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Joao asks, would Bruce and Clark bond watching Evangelion together? Um, I don't think Clark would like Evangelion. I think it's too weird for him. I think it's too weird for him. Really? Yeah. I I think Clark is a very, I I imagine Clark is just having the blandest taste possible. And he's, mm, any anime at all is already getting a little spicy for him. And now you're telling me you want to show me one with like all this body horror and like angel monster. No, I don't get this at all, uh, Bruce. I feel like he might identify with the angels a little bit. I think he might be able to identify them if he could get over the, like, you know, basic aesthetic distaste he has for it. But I don't think he's getting there. You're painting Superman as a real bore. (laughs) Yeah, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what about Batman? I think Batman would love it. (laughs) Really? Yeah. He would relate to all the mom trauma stuff. Okay, that's true. Who's, who's his favorite character? His favorite character. I mean, you know, he never used to like Gendo, but as he's gotten older, he relates to him more and more. <laughs> Gendo. <laughs> he is kind of the Gendo of the Robins. Right, exactly. There we go. <laughs> yeah. You know, he was a kid, obviously. You know, he, he related to Shinji. That kid's, you know, just trying his best. He's traumatized about his mom dying. He's working really hard to beat all these bad guys, but it's so hard. But now these days, now he's more of a Gendo. <laughs> M asks, why doesn't Wonder Woman get title credit? She's here for the Dawn of Justice too. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, she just didn't sign on as a uh, co-plaintiff in the court case. Batman v... What if it was Batman W Superman? <laughs> And people will be like, what does that W mean? And Mr. Snyder would be like, I guess you'll have to watch the movie to see. <laughs> I still feel very strongly that if you're going to call it Batman v Superman, then it should be about a Supreme Court case between Batman and Superman. You like having legal fiction in superheroes. I, I think this should be a legal drama that just sort of incidentally has superheroes in it. Did you watch the She-Hulk program? I watched a couple episodes of it and tapped out. It wasn't doing it. Wasn't doing it. No. Did you ever watch um, The Trial of the Punisher in Daredevil Season 2? Uh, I have not. No, I, I watched the first season of Daredevil and then I watched like an episode of Season 2 and I was like, eh, I think I'm good actually. It's okay. They put the Punisher on trial and he's like, I love killing people. I did kill those people. I see. Tough case. Tough case. Uh-huh. Much Ado About Bunting asks, where did the S go? This is referring to the title being Batman v Superman instead of versus Superman. Well, we know from the first film that on Superman's world, the S stands for hope. But in this film, (laughs) hope has disappeared. Oh my god. (laughs) And in fact, in fact, you know what word has an S in it? Justice. Hope lies in justice. Uh, the only rational explanation, Robin. We need to get to the Batmobile. 
<laughs> Ghoul Cat Engin asks, should they have kissed? Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. I've got a quote from Zack Snyder about why V instead of versus. Okay. Uh, the film's official title, Batman v Superman Dom Justice, was revealed in May 2014. Snyder stated that having the V in the title instead of versus was a way to keep it from being a straight versus movie, even in the most subtle way. Henry Cavill later stated, I wouldn't call this a Superman sequel. This is Batman versus Superman. <laughs> <laughs> know what snyder means by that yeah i guess he just doesn't want it to be like oh it's like king kong versus godzilla like no 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 you don't understand yes batman will versus superman in this movie but it's so much more than that and i want to shake up your expectations just from the title okay uh let's see uh terrio who i think is the ad the one of the writers maybe revealed that his script was never titled batman v superman while snyder indicated that the name of the film was decided by studio executives that he fought for the abbreviation of the word versus in the title potential titles so okay studios told him to make batman versus superman and he took the s out just to be like yeah, only if we do it my way though what else would they have called this movie oh well, i've got that right here for you potential titles that the pair had initially wanted uh, included uh justice league colon foundation Justice League colon rising and son of sun as in S-O-N of S-U-N and night of night. <laughs> son of sun and night of night. Son of sun and night of night. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it should have been. Should have been titled as son of sun and night of night. So it's very clear they were considering this Justice League part zero. Yes, they wanted to just call it Justice League part one. Should they have kissed Luke? Batman and Superman? Yeah. Uh... I'm not opposed to Batman and Superman kissing. I don't think they should have kissed in this movie. They're already chummier than I want them to be. Yeah, I don't really see an opportunity for it in this movie. Now, what could have been really good is if Clark and Bruce had a love affair while Superman and Batman were fighting. Oh, that'd be so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that'd be perfect. <laughs> Yeah, because I don't really get why Clark and Bruce are enemies in this film. Well, remember, Clark finds out that Bruce is Batman the first time he sees him. Right, but if he didn't find that out, then what, what grievance would he have? Yeah, I, he would have none. They don't even know each other. Like, the only thing they would have at that point is the Metropolis-Gotham rivalry. They, they just have a football rivalry. Yeah, exactly. Well, Batman has those lines about like, well, hey, here in Gotham City, we don't have a Superman to help us out, so we gotta make do with a Batman. Corey asks... Was Lex Luthor really the best villain they could transfer to this mixed city canon? Or would you prefer to have seen the Joker or even Oswald Cobblepot if they really wanted to pit a genius against these two geniuses? Um, I don't think either of them would be better than Lex. Yeah, I think Lex makes the most sense for a Batman v Superman film. Yeah, yeah. I am, I have got heavy Joker fatigue and it's only gotten worse since this movie came out, so... We, we, we can, there's, there's guys other than the Joker. What about the Penguin? Uh, I mean, I don't have Penguin fatigue. I liked him in The Batman just fine. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like the, it, in my mind, the Penguin is a much like lower tier of threats. Like he's a crime boss. Right. But he's also like a wealthy socialite. Right. Perhaps in the legal drama version of this movie, he could be involved somehow. Mm-hmm. What's the Penguin want? Um, I think just to do mafia crimes and be left alone. <laughs> okay, I guess that's fair enough. Yeah, and like to have exotic birds. Hey asks, what are your thoughts on how they made the Snyderverse bat symbol a weird, chunky thing entirely so that they could fit the Superman emblem inside of it? Would it be better or worse if it was just chunky on the poster? Should they have put the bat inside the super emblem instead? Um, I don't know if I have a strong opinion. 
I don't think Superman emblem has too much stuff inside it already to fit a bat. I think the idea is you would take the S out and it would just be the S encapsulated by the diamond. Mm, I, don't, I don't like that as much. Okay. I do like the squareness of Batman in this film. It's very chunky. And I, I mean, it's a very chunky Batman design in general. So it, it kind of fits him. Yeah, usually they go kind of tall and lean with Batman. But I like how he's chunky here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I believe finally, uh, Hannah asks, what if Lex Luthor was transgender? What if Lex Luthor was the most annoying and awful trans girl you know? <laughs> That'd be pretty cool, I think. Would you need to change a single line of dialogue in this movie? Other than like, you know, adjusting the pronouns. Hannah has shared with me her extensive fan fiction about transgender <laughs> Lex Luthor. And it's pretty good. <laughs> Any highlights to point out? Uh, Superman's a chaser. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Instead of a love affair with Bruce, we've got a love affair with Lex. Yes, we got a love affair with Lex. Okay. Uh, after Superman dies, Lex, like, reforms herself and goes around, like, fixing LexCorp telephone poles across the country. Okay, okay. Um, Lois Lane tells... Lois Lane is a little bit meaner, and he, like, uh, like, Superman comes over eating a sandwich... And Lois tells him to fuck off, but then she says, leave the sandwich, Smallville. <laughs> I mean, that would be good. I would like it if she said, leave the sandwich, Smallville. <laughs> That's what I would have told him as soon as he tried to climb into that fucking tub with me. <laughs> is that fanfic available in a way that we can link it in the show notes or anything? No, no, no. That's just okay, DM's okay. only fanfic. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Look, what are we watching next time? Next time, we agreed we were watching uh, Justice League 2017, the next part of the of this uh, series. I guess, no, it's not. The Wonder Woman is, but we're skipping that one because it's not related to Snyder in any way. No, it's not that related to the events of Justice League either. I've heard that one's pretty decent, but no, we got to jump into the one a even fans of this franchise hate. Joss Whedon's Justice League. <laughs> Well, it's because I think it's very interesting to compare the two Justice Leagues. No, you told me we had to watch both of them to compare, and I was angry because I agreed with you. And I don't want to watch this movie, but you're right that that's the thing we should do. It's probably the most interesting thing out of all superhero movies. Yeah, I mean, that's it's interesting. I'll give you that much. Would you like to hear a... a wait, Luke, plug. Get plugs for oh, me. Oh, sure. You can find me on Twitter at SSJ Speed Racer, assuming that, you know, it works. <laughs> uh, you can find me on other podcasts on AudioEntropy.com. We got shows like My Wife, She Loves That Reprise Show, a Columbo rewatch podcast. We're having a great time over there. And Eidolon Playtest. It's an actual play RPG podcast. Uh, IGM two different campaigns that release in alternating weeks. Eidolon Disco and Eidolon Ska about mystery solving teens in the 70s and the 90s. Crystal's one of those 90s teens. That's right. And you can find me at twitter.com slash arcane crystal. And on the Book of Medora podcast, we're starting up our Tears of the Kingdom episodes. Fuck yeah. Did y'all record the, the first one of those? Yes, we did. Oh, shit. Where, where would you guess we ended on that episode? Well, you're, you're going in the chronological order of events, not as they're presented, right? That's correct, yes. Okay. Then I'm going to guess you got through... I'm going to guess around the point that Ganondorf is, like, bowing to Rauru when he's, like, doing his scheme. We ended at the point where the first memory happens. Gee... You ended at the point where the- You ended at the earliest thing the game shows. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. You didn't even start talking about the events of the game. No. Oh, you know what? Honestly, fair, because I don't know what the fuck you're going to do to explain how this game fits into the timeline. It's been a while since they've given this little of a shit about making any of it make sense. They've gone from agnostic to hostile. Exactly. Like, Breath of the Wild is a little, like, cheeky and mischievous with the way it plays with the Zelda timeline. This one is actively fuck you if you care about the order these games go in. Luke, last week I told a joke, and I have that on the recording. Okay. <laughs> so if if you could just give me a little bit of a Luke laugh track is as your response to the joke, if you can remember it. Sure, sure. Well, I'll tell you, I don't remember it, so why don't you give it to me clean so I can and you can splice together whichever take you prefer of the joke. No, it was a long one, and I can't find it. Okay, it was a long right. It was a longer one. I did think it was pretty funny. So let me let me. This comes in from upjoke.com/slash Batman dash jokes. Clark Kent was lying in his deathbed with his wife Lois Lane beside him. After some time, Lois said, Darling, I have to confess something. Years ago, I had an affair with Superman. It was only one night, but I've regretted it ever since. I hope you can forgive me. You don't need to worry about that because, Clark said as he took off his glasses, I am Superman. Even if you didn't know it was me, in my eyes you were always faithful. Oh, thank God, said Lois. I can't tell you what a weight that is off my chest. Glad we cleared that up, said Clark. So I guess this means you were Batman, too. <laughs> How was that? That was perfect. That'll splice in perfectly. Great. All right, everybody. See you next time. Bye. Superman. Superman.